Welcome back to Dark Inside. This time it's episode 30 for Friday, September 16th. I'm your host this week, Jeremy Greer. I am joined by Vader Van Oden from New Zealand. How are you today, Vader? Not too bad. Excellent. Cliff is not with us again this week. He decided that being on holiday with his wife is more important than podcasting about games, which I don't (laughs) understand at all. So instead, we have brought my buddy Lurker in. Lurker, how are you today? Good. Uh, You can just call me Kyle, too, because I'm not a YouTuber anymore, so I guess I can... uh... Sure. We can drop Dish the handles. The <laughs> <laughs> we can drop the handles, Kyle. Uh, listeners of this podcast might know uh, Kyle from uh, early episode of Don't Give Up Skeleton, as well as some uh, some other stuff that he and I have done together. I was on a YouTube video of his talking about Dark Souls three a while back. Um, Kyle is, like you said, uh, he was a big YouTuber guy, but he's not anymore. And that's kind of one of the impetuses for our our question this week, and we'll get into all about that. But uh, Lurker, or excuse me, Kyle, do you want to kind of introduce yourself to everybody? <laughs> That's going to take a while, by the way. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all good. I, I'm just kind of just kind of kidding a little bit. Um, yeah, I used to be a YouTuber, just recently kind of shut up shop on my channel. Not a huge YouTuber by any means. I mean, just about 1,200 subs. But uh, I mostly did Halo and shooter stuff, and uh, the franchise sort of changed so drastically that uh, I kind of drifted away from it. But I play a whole variety of games, uh, very active on Twitter and 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 really like talking about games and that critical discussion. It's always a good time, so I'm very happy to be here. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, Vader. Yes. Is It's cold where you are, I'm guessing? Uh, yep, it's raining. Um, yeah. And correct me if I'm Our wrong. winter's hit during spring. Yeah. <laughs> and correct me if I'm wrong, but during the cold season of New Zealand, you guys have a, a special like food thing that you guys do to warm up? Am I, am I understanding that correctly? Uh, yep, it's it's Australia and New Zealand thing. Um, Australia and New Zealand, okay. Yep, yep. Uh, Tim, it's uh, the as you know, we've talked about it this week. It's the Tim Tam Slam. The Tim Tam Slam. <laughs> so, <laughs> for listeners that may not be uh, watching our Twitter like the Hawks, that uh, most of our listeners are, um, Vader sent me was very gracious enough to send me a big box of candy from New Zealand. Uh, I'll, I'll put the picture in the show notes. So you can see all of the different types. It's a ton of stuff that I've never heard of before. And that my wife has commandeered about <laughs> half of it. So I probably won't even get to try it. <laughs> um, but, uh, Vader said the, the, the cost for such free candy was that I had to do a Tim Tam slam on air. Can you, can you talk about what that is and how that, like, just talk all about it, what a Tim Tam slam is <laughs> while I'm psyching myself yep. up to do it. <clears throat> okay. Get ready. It's. Well, there's nothing to be worried about. It's a very enjoyable uh, <laughs> snack. Uh, a Tim Tam is a chocolate-coated uh, cookie. It's a chocolate cookie coated in chocolate. Uh, so you got two uh, biscuits uh, with a cream kind of uh, filling, and then on the outside, it's completely coated in chocolate. And I think I sent you the double coat, which is my favorite, because it's got two dips of ch- it's two layers of chocolate. Indeed. So I have, a, I have Tim Tam double coats is what I'm looking at. And so are the best. Um, and they... They're a rectangle cookie or biscuit, depending on which country you're from. <laughs> um, and 
the Tim Tam Slam combines a hot beverage, a coffee, a cho- hot chocolate, a tea if that's if that's if you're Paddy Stardust, um, and you take the Tim Tam, you bite a nibble. You don't want to take too much of a bite off e- uh, two opposite corners. Okay, so, so a nibble off of each corner. Guys, you know, like, yep, we're so not supposed re- to eat on a podcast. This is like podcast no-nos right here. <laughs> <laughs> That's why it's so good. Um, and sorry, but sorry, uh, Kyle, that you don't have one to participate in. <laughs> it sounds great, though. Like, it, it, I'm very excited to at least hear how enjoyable this is going to be. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, once you've nibbled off two opposite corners, you should mm-hmm. be, see, be able to see the biscuit on the inside. So you've removed, you've got a clear view to a little bit of cookie, the biscuit on the inside. Okay. That's done. Yep. Done. And so now you dip it into your... What, what kind of hot drink have you got? Uh, the, uh, CJ, your pet. What did, what did you call it? The, the thing that you sent me, I forget the name of it. The, uh, Milo. Milo, yeah. Yep. The Nestle Milo, which so, looks like chocolate, like a chocolate powder. Like it looks like a what I would make um, hot chocolate with. Yes, it is a, it's a hot cho- It's a malt hot chocolate, um, I believe. Okay. Um, it's... So, yeah, it's like another Kiwi and Australian classic. Uh, our Milo is better than Australia's Milo. Uh, the recipe is slightly different. <laughs> Gauntlet thrown um, to all of our Australian <laughs> listeners. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's it's, it's quite crunchy. Um, the the powder, it's not like a fine powder. Um, and so if you do a cold version of it, you get a nice crunch at the top. It kind of sits at the top um, as well. So it yeah, it's a slightly different than your classic hot chocolates, but it is virtually a hot chocolate. Okay, so I have got this uh, chocolate cookie slash biscuit rapidly melting in, in my hand, and I've got a, oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> and I've got <laughs> a cup on. of uh, Milo in front of me. Good. And right, so now you uh, dip one corner in, and then you proceed to use it as a straw and suck from the opposite corner the the hot beverage. And the trick here is you need to time it and like to see how you want to get as much liquid through there. Mm-hmm. But not too much because the cookie will collapse. <laughs> Great, cookie will reach critical mass. <laughs> yes, that's Great. exactly it. Okay, uh, family's off of all, all. Okay, here we go. And here I'm doing go. this literally next to the mic, so you're welcome, listeners, to for listening to all this. Slip, slip away. <laughs> okay, slam that cookie in the mouth when it when it's all melted and good. Oh my god. <laughs> Oh, that was a lot of chocolate. <clears throat> Did it melt proper? Oh, yeah, completely. Good. <laughs> like, nice. So fam- families will often play games where they'll, um, with the young kids to see who can slam the longest. Like, you got to hold it. And if your cookie crumbles and falls into your drink, you lose. Uh, so you got to try and hold out. It's like Tim Tam Slam chicken. you got to try and <laughs> get it. Yeah, well, drink unless, as much um, as possible. Unless something funnier comes along, I think that Tim Tam Slam Chicken is going to be the name of the episode. So, well done. <laughs> <laughs> so what oh do you think, Jeremy? That is extremely rich. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to cough. That's really good. That's that's really tasty. I didn't even, like, I, I bit the corners off and you were like, it's going to work as a straw. And I was looking at it going, no, it's not. This isn't going to work. <laughs> But it totally did. It like filled up with liquid, liquid, and just like completely melted in my mouth. It was really yeah, interesting. That's great. That's a lot of the fun. lands of cookie are converging towards Milo. <laughs> Convergy wordiness. <laughs> yep. And 
the, the classic joke for all kids, New Zealand kids, is it's not your low, it's my low. Ah. <laughs> <clears throat> well, that was very interesting. My wife is already uh, putting together a candy box for you. So uh, oh, thank you. We're going to send uh, like some crawfish, some boiled crawfish. So there'll be much more disgusting <laughs> instructions that you have to go through, assuming that it lives through the travel. Oh my gosh! <laughs> some bloodborne beasts and creatures and critters. That's what it looks like. It really that's does. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Vader. That's that was really nice of you to send me a little gift basket. I really appreciate that. Uh, it worked out. My parents are over in Florida, just around the corner from you, so it was yeah. easy for them, to, easier to send it than usual. Excellent. Um, before we get into the main part of the podcast, I just want to say thanks to everybody for, uh, we've had a couple of new iTunes reviews and we've had some like retweets from people that I've never seen before. So I just want to say thank you. It's really, really appreciated. If you have a few minutes and you can go knock out an iTunes review, it only takes a couple of minutes, even though Apple tries to make it last as long as possible. That would be really, really appreciated. <laughs> if you want to share it. Oh my God, my mouth is still full of chocolate. <coughs> if you want to uh, share the podcast around with your friends or with whoever you know that's into games that'd be really appreciative also uh, I mentioned it on the last podcast but we've also set up a new Facebook page as well as getting a little bit more active on our Tumblr page so go check us out there it's facebook.com slash dark insight I think I don't think I did podcast you can find us just search dark insight and the Tumblr is darkinsightpodcast.tumblr.com so go check it out those, and if those are your preferred social media networks, then we are there for you. In the meantime, yep. let's talk about some news. Uh, the first big thing that happened in between uh, our last episode and this one is that they have announced all of the details of the PlayStation 4 Pro, formerly known That's as right. the PlayStation 4 Neo. Uh, I think the Pro name, just right off the bat, I'm just going to get into it. I think the Pro name is pretty dumb. What do you guys think? <laughs> Yeah, it appeals to those, especially considering it's it's basically a, an underwhelming version compared to the Scorpio, right? I agreed. Yeah, <clears throat> I haven't actually looked at the tech specs. Is it that much uh, weaker? Uh, I think it's pretty significant. It's I, I don't know the specifics. Uh, I'm just kind of going by what I've heard through the grapevine, but I, I've heard that the uh, Scorpio is significantly stronger. Uh, but they're both probably going to be pretty expensive so well the uh the pro is they've already said it's 399 right yes yeah and uh, then which is a little pricey compared to somebody if somebody that j- maybe just bought a ps4 a couple of years ago yeah i mean I've, I've i've had my ps4 day one and I, I still like i look at that number and i'm like what am i buying with my 400 dollars and yeah. the, the answer to that seems to be uh you know, some 4K video stuff, which as somebody without a 4K TV, I kind of don't care about. Um, yeah. They're, they've said that they're back patching uh, HDR support into existing PS4 models, which number one seems really weird given the HDMI spec, and number two seems like it almost might be game specific at this point. In other words, games might have to have patches to support that. And some oh, and you might have to pay for them, right? And I'm you might have to pay for them. That. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to our you in-app purchase to... future. <laughs> yeah. Go um, fuck yourself. Yeah. So, uh, and there's already been some big games that are like I think the uh, Bungie came out and said, yeah, we're not going to be doing any kind of PS4 Pro patch for the, for the existing copy version of Destiny. And 
Like that's really surprised me because that's a it's a beautiful game that Sony has really done a lot of aggressive marketing with and has a lot of exclusive contracts with as far as you know weapons and areas and such. So that kind of surprised me. Um, other games like Jonathan Blow was out there saying, "Yeah, we've done a bunch of testing with HDR and 4K on uh, the PS4 Pro, and it looks great. It looks really really nice." So it's nice to hear, but again, four hundred dollars for what? So. Well, the other the other problem is, is as you, you mentioned, the 4K TV, but it's not even 4K. You need a HDR ready TV, and that, that's where it gets really pricey um, to get true HDR. It's not many TVs actually produce that. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's very and like the whole 4K HDR thing is kind of like the uh, the early HDMI spec where like TVs would support 1080i but not 1080p. Like we're kind of in that stage yeah. of it. So if you're out there trying to buy a TV and make it last for five or six years, that's going to be a difficult proposition without getting into, you know, probably over $2,000 for a big size TV. Uh, the, yeah. the other thing to remember is like your, all of the components in your AV chain have to support this. So like I yes. have a receiver, but I don't, I'm pretty confident that it's not HDR 4k compatible. So that's a TV and nope. a receiver. Probably won't be. Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to uh, two friendly uh, friend of the show mm-hmm. and yeah, he's, he's into his audio visual. Uh, he's got a pretty nice setup and he's got like a nice uh, yeah, AV receiver. And he's like, yeah, I'll, to the cheapest HDR ready receiver here in New Zealand is like 800 to a thousand dollars. And so it's, that's New Zealand dollars. So you're talking maybe 600 yeah, um, American US. five six hundred. Mm-hmm. Then you add you add on the PS four and then a TV with HDR. And as I said, four K is getting cheaper, but it's not about four K. Um, that that it's about HDR is what's really going to make the difference. Four K, you're not going to notice the difference sitting on your couch three meters away from your TV. Um, it's the it's the HDR that's going to really make the difference. Kyle, you have, yeah, a, is- you have a PlayStation 4. Like, does this thing, like, does this new version of this console make you eager to buy this console at all? Uh, oh, no, absolutely not. No, okay. this is a, uh, this is like another step. I'm going to go mini rant that may come out a little bit later, but yes. uh, this is another step in, uh, <laughs> in games becoming like, so I remember back in the day when like every household had, could have like a Super Nintendo or a Nintendo, you know, like everyone had a TV. It wasn't such a huge financial commitment that it's become in gaming nowadays where it's almost like it's like a well-to-do hobby. Like you can't just work a normal Joe's job and support like gaming as a whole anymore. I mean, there's new consoles and new iterations coming out. There's heavy duty microtransactions and a lot of games. There's there's just a lot of stuff to buy. And uh, this is just another step in that direction. Just like the, the uh, Scorpio is, I mean, Mm -hmm. I bought my Xbox one day one and it felt underwhelming from the beginning. And now I'm told I got to buy a new console. <laughs> I wasn't even satisfied with the last one, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. And they, they did the what? same thing with the Xbox one S. So like, that's a direct comparison to the PS4 pro. I think that's as right. I think the pro compares more happily to the, to the Xbox one S than it does the future, whatever, what Scorpio is. The Scorpio is essentially this, the kit, the jumpstart on a whole new console generation, mm-hmm. even though they've said, kind of like with the, the uh, PS4 Pro, that there won't be any exclusive games to it, right? But then it's like, why does it, why does it exist? Why does it even exist so you can get <laughs> the highest quality pixels? I mean, I don't understand. 
you well, know, that's pe- exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah. People, yeah. People keep comparing this to like the uh, cell phone market where like every year a new cell phone comes out. And like if you look at what Apple has done with the app store of supporting apps, like they're supporting like you can go back to the iPhone 5, I think, or the 5S right now with iOS 10. So like your iOS, your apps that you bought, you know, four years ago will still play or will still operate on that device, which is kind of insane. I just, I don't trust Sony and Microsoft to do that at all. <laughs> like I can see a future yeah. in the holiday of 2017, you know, Sony comes out and says, well, we've got a new PS4 Pro and the old PS4 Pro is now the PS4 Pro Slim and we're doing away with all the other models. Everyone upgrade because now these future games will only work on these new consoles. Like I can see that future pretty yeah. easily. Yeah, I could too. I mean, there's money to be made there, you know. They if they force everyone to 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 push up a console generation, mm-hmm. uh, it's disappointing. But and it's it's quickly becoming apparent that the difference, like if you're a person who cares significantly about graphics, like you should just go get a PC. And you know, if you don't really care that much about graphics, maybe you can just play on consoles. But I don't, man. I just I hate being forced to upgrade for stuff, and they're not forcing me to upgrade. I just I, the PS4 Pro just seems like such a, a weak <laughs> entry to the market. Like it just feels like it doesn't need to exist at all. It just feels like it's adding more confusion than it's adding cool stuff. Yeah, it's it's, it's sort of iterative instead of revolutionary. You know, like it, it's not. It's like it's like there's going to be half steps towards a new console generation instead of just a new set of consoles. You know, for five years down the road. Uh, but it doesn't even feel like we've completed this cycle of consoles. You know, we've had good games, but we haven't had anything that, like, defines that generation, I would say. No, not at all. I kind of feel yeah. like... Well, I think uh, we had, go ahead, Vader. We, I think we had games earlier in this cycle that were more impressive than they were in this earlier previous uh, generations. Like, we had games quite early on, like Destiny and um, Metal Gear Solid Five, whereas they were quite solid games. They looked good and played really well. So I think we got... I think whether the cycles are quicker because yeah they're perfecting it faster, but I don't like it though. <laughs> I want it yeah. to take longer. Um, I think we're getting better quality higher, faster than we did with the like the PS3 took a long time to get a game that defined that generation. Um, and a lot of people talk about the Last of Us as being that game, and that came right like literally at the end of its it, the generation. Yeah, it, but it could be argued a lot of those games could run with a little bit of, you know, uglier graphics and muddier textures could run on a 360. I mean, as far as gameplay, That's true. they wouldn't. Like, Destiny even ran on a 360 for the yeah, first right. time. Yeah, right, it's not a Metal Gear Solid 5. Yep. Yeah. And people talked about how it's voodoo magic because it still looked really good and it, it ran perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it, yeah, I, I don't know that we've hit that gameplay peak of this generation of consoles. It may not come because it, they're so... Uh, lacking in the punch department you know what i mean what, what my concern is this focus on graphics is that well we kind of i've seen it a few times it's kind of the start of the ps2 and the start of the ps3 we got games that looked there's a huge jump in graphics or potential um but there's just the gameplay just was completely lacking um like i remember games like the bouncer on ps2 like it looked fantastic and it was such a huge jump up from the ps1 yeah but it was it, it it was fun. I enjoyed it. I played it through several times because one of the first games I got. But it was like an hour long game or something stupid. Like it was tiny, uh, and we, and we saw a lot of that with the PS3. Like games that just completely dropped mechanics for the, the 
for the fact of graphics. And I, I think we're going to see that again with these these pro editions of consoles. They'll look all glossy and pretty, but we won't. The actual uh, uniqueness in gameplay or um, creativity or risk taking is not going to be there because all the money's been spent in pretty shiny HDR. And that's the that's the that, disappointing that, thing is that like these new consoles don't seem to be they don't seem to be focusing on making games easier to make or easier to get your own game like for, like not even indie developers but like individuals. I always look at the app store of like I can pay a hundred bucks and then make an app, get it approved, and put it on there. Even if it's like garbage, like I can still do that. They don't seem to be focusing on anything like that. Like they seem to be only focusing on visuals, which, like Vader mentioned, just take more and more money to produce, which leaves less money for innovation, leaves less money for AI. You know, that, that, those are the kind of things I'm looking at. It's like how can how can these speed imp- these improvements in technology create better gameplay? And as of now, it's just like, hey, your yellows will be yellower, and your whites are going to be whiter. <laughs> like, okay, great. Like that's, I mean, I'm half blind anyway, but sure, that sounds great. Let's do it. So. Yeah, there's very little time spent on on the hook of a game, you know, like, you know, within the first five seconds, uh, whether a game is going to hook you and it it has that that different mechanic and feels good in your hands. Uh, I've been playing a lot of the Wii U Virtual Console and like catching up on a lot of those games that kind of brought me back to my roots, like uh, Super Metroid, you know, it feels great in your hands immediately. And you know, the mechanics and the expiration, it's just the hook and that hook. It, it, it hits you right away and it lasts for the four or five hours that game lasts and, and it, every bit of it, like nothing's wasted, you know? Mm-hmm. Whereas nowadays, uh, I think that a lot of game designers mechanically are very satisfied with having um, having a middle of the road type of game, you know, like a shooter that's an aim down sight shooter. It feels pretty decent. It's not going to revolutionize you, but it looks good and so and so and it's easy to market and sell. It's not something people have to be on board with or have to be convinced to buy because it's something they've already seen, but they're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. And I, and I agree with you. I, I think that I just I just wish it wasn't like that. Like I wish we could see like Destiny Two. If Destiny Two looked exactly the same as Destiny did, but the enemies were twice as smart, I think that'd be a much better game. Like as long as and it more was, varied, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Or, or like just more more things to do within the game and, and those kind of things. Like, and I'm not talking about like The Last of Us had this weird fetishism with every single room had to be a piece upon itself and like everything was very meticulously modeled to like half torn posters on the wall. And I, I think that's very interesting. I think it's neat and I think it's admirable. I just don't think it's very like I don't really care. <laughs> like I'm glad somebody I guess had a job <laughs> that spent that much time modeling the half torn poster and that's supposed to tell me. I don't know something. I, I just, I, I just, I feel. I look at that stuff and I'm like, man, somebody spent probably like two weeks of their life modeling this thing, and I'm looking at it for two seconds and just going to the next objective. Like that, at a certain point, like you get, to, and I think we're already there that we're getting much more diminishing returns on that stuff. And, and yeah, with, and that, yeah. go ahead, go, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was, I was, yeah. gonna, I was going to move on. So I was going to say that I just wanted to talk briefly about this conference that Sony did to announce the PS4 Pro which was sure. coming off of several E3s worth of very good, uh, and several TGSs. Like Sony's had some excellent conferences and some, some excellent uh, live shows and whatnot over the last couple of years. This thing was absolute garbage. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know if you guys got that impression, but, and I love Mark Cerny. I'd love to hear Mark Cerny talk about like crazy weird technical stuff. But I mean, this is at a nine o'clock PM, like live stream thing. And you have him talking about stuff that the audience can't see. 
you know, you're streaming this thing over the internet and you're asking yeah. people to be like, look how much better it looks in HDR and 4K. And you're streaming it probably to most people like on their shitty TV, like on their on their 720p yeah. stream that their internet can support. Like nobody can see this stuff. It made no sense to me whatsoever. And there was, yeah, nothing, that was quite ironic. And there was nothing <laughs> new, right? Like they showed another demo of Horizon Zero Dawn, which, hey, I've, I've been sold on that game for two years. You don't need to show me any more of that game. Like they just, there was really nothing brand new to show off. So I was left with like, why did you guys even bother doing this? Why didn't you just show us this console back at E3? So, I don't know. So they're making it hard to be a Sony fanboy out here. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel bad for you, these Sony fanboys. You've had such a tough couple of years. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> did either one of you watch it live? Did you guys stay up and, and like actually uh, no, watch it? No, no. Okay. Well, it's that. Started seven seven o'clock in the morning here. I start work then, um, oh, okay. so I, I missed the first part of it. But I I did watch most of it, maybe twenty minutes behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought the same thing. What I find funny is that they like look at the difference. Now they, you know, show you, and it's they actually did look different. One of the screens when they had the sunset. I'm like, well, if they can make it look different on my crappy screen at work through streaming, still like, how come? <laughs> like, why? Why, why do you need a whole other four hundred dollar box? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> they did. They had the sunset, and they're like, "Look, this is what HDR does." And it's like, "Well, my screen's not HDR, so how come it does look better?" So obviously, it's just trickery in Photoshop. Uh, and then look at the, uh, uh, and then and like they look at the games they were showing off. They were showing off fucking Shadows of Mordor, which I, I like that game. It's very good, and I wish more people would steal that Nemesis system. And that's a perfect example God, of, yes. of of like a. Uh, enhancements in technology benefiting actual gameplay like that nemesis system is something like that did not exist on the 360 versions of that game because it just couldn't yeah. handle it like that's a perfect example of what i was talking about earlier but why are you showing off like a four-year-old game at your brand new conference for your brand new console <laughs> like it's just mind-boggling to me i can't understand it <clears throat> yeah shadow of mordor is an exact perfect uh i was talking about that game with a buddy of mine recently and it's you don't know that it's so great at first until you really get in and, and that nemesis system changes your gameplay experiences and then you're like, holy crap, you know, like this game's insane. <laughs> like <laughs> stuff happens. It's unpredictable. It feels like a sandbox with all the different elements and, and and just experience it. And no two players have the same experience. That's what's so cool about it. Mm-hmm. And it does. It, it has that hook that you were talking about. Um, not to fanboy it too much, but I, I really, really, really enjoyed that game. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. And it was especially coming off, and I'm gonna I'm gonna jump us ahead in the, in the news section a little bit, but uh, sure. especially because earlier the day, earlier that day, uh, Apple had unveiled their new iPhone, and Apple Convoy is something amazing to watch because they're they're so smug about everything that they do that it's it's becoming <laughs> almost unwatchable. But it's fascinating because you want to see what they're focused on because that, they can literally change the direction. But um, the big the one thing I do want to talk about out of that conference is that Nintendo showed up on stage at an Apple conference and announced that there's going to be Mario on, on the iPhone. Yes. And As I, an endless runner. Well, it's, apparently it's not quite an endless runner. Apparently it's like an yeah, actual levels. like crafted platforming levels. Just your dude is automatically running all the time, which I th- kind of Oh, so it's cool. like an auto scroller. Yeah, it's like it's, an it's um, like an auto scroller that you have to like time It's like the Rayman. Through. It's like the Rayman app game. Sure, yeah. Okay. I've never played those, but okay. Uh well, from what I I've played it. I've got it and my son likes it. Um and from what I've heard a lot of people rate the Rayman game quite highly. And it is the same thing. You start running and you just got to time your jumps. Um, 
to to platform around the levels, and it's it is quite fun uh, and it's played yeah. So I'm I'm looking forward to this. Um, that I do they talk price. Uh, tiger free to play, I think. I want to say it was free to play. Yeah, that's no free to. Uh, it's, it's the Nintendo. It's the Nintendo thing where they go um, free to start. Okay, that, that's the that's the new thing that I've brought up. I've heard them talk about it before. I don't know and the so difference free. between free to play and free to start. What is that? Is that the uh, same? Yeah, I, don't I guess I guess like there's no. Like, they, there, you... there is a difference from what I remember him in talk. Free to start, free to play tends to be like you're just timed out and you got to buy like. If you want to keep playing lots, you've got to buy like uh, coins or whatever or energy to use. Mm-hmm. Whereas free to start is that you'll get so many levels for free and then you can oh, buy okay. Okay. expansion Okay, I, I see the difference here there. That's a, that's a okay, that's fine. Yeah. And that's Nintendo a been, yeah. Nintendo's been discussing that um, and I've, I've heard, I can't remember where it was, it was at some conference and I've heard them, someone from Nintendo talk about it, how they don't like the free to play because it, it's that model where they're just trying to guilt people into buying or... Uh, milking off these whales who will just pay tons of money to, to kind of level up or they don't like that. And it's partly because they, Nintendo is, they get a lot of criticism in the gaming world because their focus is gaming for, for younger people. Like, yes, older people like their stuff, but they are a family friendly focused company. And so I think, I think there's some integrity, hopefully there, <laughs> that they're, they're, they're trying to make games that aren't just going to make people pay money for the sake of it. The games that it's, you, you get rewards for the money you spend. Like you get more gameplay, not you just unlock stuff that's already there. Yeah, that's, that's, um, that's fine. Yeah, that's, that's totally cool. The game looked interesting. I mean, I, I say interesting. The game looked nice. Like it seemed, it's very much in the style of the, uh, the latest 2D games, like the new Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. Um, hmm. that were on the Wii and the Wii U, which I, I like that art style a lot. I don't some of the mechanics in there I don't, I don't like. Um when I'm playing around with that tile set on Super Mario Maker, uh, and my wife is in the room, she looks at it and she says, That's not my Mario and that's kinda how I feel about that. <laughs> <laughs> like Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> Super Mario World and Super Mario Three and or not three, but uh the the older Super Marios are kinda like my Mario. But I, I like that new Super Mario style. So the art style looked really cool and it's just really interesting to see Nintendo like actually get involved in this, these handheld things that have been around for not handheld, these, uh, you know, phone games, these mobile games outside of the DS. And I know people keep saying like, well, they just should put, you know, their actual DS games on the, on phones. And I kind of don't think, I don't, I don't really see that that is a very smart move for, for Nintendo right now. Like they're still selling a lot of three DSs or the new three DS or the new two D. I can't keep up with the product names anymore. So, (laughs) but, uh, the, they're like, still selling a lot of those, and if you keep making good games for that platform, they'll probably just keep selling that platform until they eventually put out the NX. So. Yeah, well, I agree. Um, they also like they would sell like if they put Link to the Past on iPhone or Android, it would sell like hotcakes, and they'd probably make a ton of money. But it's not going to play it well. It would work, but on your touch screens, it's never going to be that full experience. And I think. Nintendo are very cautious about how they use their IP. Um, and that's why we're not getting just a, a ported version of an older Mario game on the phone because mm-hmm. it would work, but you'd never get that speed because Mario is all about speed and, and that, that fluidity of the running and getting into the flow of, of how Mario works to get to get the highest score in the levels and whatnot. And you wouldn't be able to do that on a touchscreen. Like you wouldn't have that full, you wouldn't be able to play it and control it as well as if you had a controller in your hand. And so it makes sense that they designed the game ground up for a one-button experience. Um, 
Yeah, I, I yeah, would so much rather it, a crafted experience on the platform than yeah. just a just a simple port. It's like they've done those. Uh, Square has done like Final Fantasy VII, and they charge like twenty bucks for those. And I've looked at those and gone, like that must play like garbage. Like that must not be fun a fun way to play those games. But you know, people keep buying them for some reason. So <clears throat> yeah, say what you want about Nintendo, um, but even to their own financial detriment, they're very defensive about their franchises and their games mm-hmm. and how they play and how they're presented. Um, you know, there was that huge thing with Smash Melee where Nintendo wasn't even going to let them stream it at Evo. And it's like, it's like, let go of the reins a little bit, guys. You know, like, this is a huge game with a huge following. Like, let people play it. Um, so I imagine that's the same here. Yeah. Yeah. Man, was, and just, uh, like, I, I really like that Nintendo, like, I, I want to be the fly on the wall of, like, who called who. Like, did the did Mr. Nintendo call Mr. Apple or vice versa? And, like, I want to hear that conversation of, like, we want Mario or we want Mario and iPhone. Like, I want to hear that. Like, those business transactions just fascinate me. So, Yeah. Yeah. And, well, it will be enjoyed as well. It's not just exclusive. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't hear that. That, that seems weirder that I, that Apple would have had him on the stage then. Um, I, do, I did really appreciate the screenshots of Miyamoto, who was on the front row of the rest of the conference. Not conference, but the rest of their uh, iPhone 7 thing. Looking bored out of his skull. <laughs> like that dude. <laughs> he just looks... I mean, he looked like he's half asleep through the whole thing. Which, And, and God bless him. Like, he, he probably doesn't care about any of that stuff, right? So... I don't know, it's fascinating. Well, he probably flew there the, that day and then flew back the next day. He's probably like full on exhausted from travel and probably so. Yeah, he um, doesn't understand half of it. The only thing I want to mention oh. is uh, Vader. You, you talked about white whales a minute ago. I was hanging out with some uh, with some family, and my stepsister has a kid who's I don't know, like probably in his teens. He's like sixteen or seventeen, and uh, we were all hanging out and like everybody looking at their phones. And I heard her say, "That son of a bitch." And we all looked up and we're like, "What? What's what's going on?" It's like I can't believe, you know. And she named her kid. I can't believe he did this. And we're like, "What? What did he do?" It's like, and she showed us her phone, and it was a receipt from Apple showing that his her kid had charged like a hundred dollars of Madden money, like he had bought a hundred dollars oh, worth of the in app, whatever. And I was like, "Wow, people are actually doing that." Yeah, yeah no idea, man. No well, idea. That's the thing. The mobile market has pervaded so much of gaming. Like even in the last few years, it, it, it's happened almost like under the cover of night. But uh, uh, later on, when we talk about kind of the whole Halo fiasco, um, I'll be able to talk about it more. But uh, the mobile market and microtransactions and that sort of like uh, putting the bait out there for the whales and, and for the small fish, uh, it's everywhere, everywhere. Yes. But well, yeah, we can uh, talk about it when we get into the games. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this um, is going to be our well, main I, topic this week. Before we move on, okay. um, a question for you too. What do you think, um, with this kerfuffle with Xbox and, and, and Sony releasing these these odd uh, iterations of their new their consoles, do you think Nintendo's going to have more of a, a prevalence? Like, we're, we're, we've all been gushing over Nintendo over the last 10 minutes. Do you think that's going to take a bigger heart, like place in people's hearts? Like, I honestly could see Nintendo being poised to actually take a bigger slice of the market back because we it seems like we're all tired of these AAA games just forcing things down us. Kyle, you go first. I've, I've, got, I've yeah. honestly already kind of went down that, that path. Yeah, you did bit. say that, yeah. Yeah, the virtual store of Nintendo Wii U, I borrowed a buddy's because I, you know, I didn't want to buy one. And he was like, oh, yeah, you can just borrow mine for a few months. Um, and the virtual store, it's like $6 for Super Metroid. Are you kidding me? Like, I can play that game for the rest of my life. I've been playing it for 
for my entire <laughs> life almost, you know, and that, that is like pure gold. And then there's, there's, it's just hit after hit on the virtual store. Um, and there's still a lot of good games on the Wii U that I haven't really messed with too much, but there's a lot of experiences that Nintendo can give you on their consoles that you definitely won't get anywhere else uh, yeah. for better or for worse. You know, they're, a lot of people think they're a little behind the times. They're kind of clueless, and I, I wouldn't disagree. Uh, but at the same time, they, they're not the first people to bite into this whole uh, microtransaction-heavy style of marketing their games and, and these ultra-expensive AAA experiences. They're still very much, um, I would say, focused on uh, what... So Bungie has this famous um, sort of mantra they always said when it came to halo and it was like the 30 seconds of fun so every 30 second loop of their they wanted it to be enjoyable you know like you you throw a grenade you get that instant satisfaction you get a nice headshot you get that instant satisfaction and nintendo's very um very focused on that 30 seconds of fun and and keeping that experience going so that's what i kind of get from from them Uh, as simple as it may be to someone who enjoys more complex games i really like uh that that simplicity delivers a good gameplay experience and, and I can agree with that. Yes. Uh, I've been on this podcast over the last like probably five or six episodes. I've been pretty negative about Nintendo and their their kind of strategy and what they're doing with the NX. And I'm the NX to me like looking at the Nintendo's future is such a huge question mark. Like, and it's they just have to explain it better and they have to give me a better use case than what I'm seeing now, which is hey, a, a 3DS Agreed. that I can hook up to my TV. Like, I don't, that, that doesn't really appeal to me very much. Um, but I'll agree with Kyle. Like, I think the Wii U is probably going to be go down in history as one of the most undersung uh, consoles out there. Like, you've got your Wii U games, you've got your Wii games, you've got a lot of virtual console stuff. Like, it's, it's there's a lot of content to play right there. Like, it's really, really good. So, I, I, I very much enjoy what Nintendo does when they put out software. I, their hardware strategy totally confuses me. And at a certain point, like I'd, I'd almost want them to go to the the Sega route, right? Like, all right, well, like Mario on PS4. <laughs> like, I, I wouldn't necessarily mind that. Like, imagine what that company could do if they got away from the hardware stuff. But every time I every time I say that out loud, like I immediately say, like another voice in my head speaks up and goes, "Yeah, but what about Mario Maker? Like, Mario Maker is the perfect example of Nintendo performing at their absolute." 100% ability hardware and software and combining those for an experience that like you literally can't have anywhere. Like all, and I know I've seen some articles popping up of like these Mario maker style games on steam and everything, but holding that pad in your hand and using the stylus to actually create those levels is kind of a tactile experience. I just don't think you're going to find anywhere else. And like yeah. Nintendo really, really specializes at making those things happen. So I'm, I'd, I'll be really surprised to see Nintendo steal the market because I just don't think that, your 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 big AAA companies are even bothering anymore. I don't think you're going to have a Destiny on Nintendo anytime soon. You're not going to have the EA games that are Nintendo. Like you're not going to have the big EA games. Um, <clears throat> and I don't necessarily care about EA games, but like the marketplace does. So I don't I don't know that yeah. we'll see that. It's going to be interesting to watch. Like 2017 is going to be a weird fucking year for video games. <laughs> <laughs> and as much as I like sing the praises of Nintendo right now, like I don't, I'm not going to buy their system right out of the gate. Like I'll, I'll wait and see if it falls on its face first. You know what I mean? Like I, every generation, you know, I, I'll get, you know, the Xbox 360 and I'll wait for a while until a Wii is like 80 bucks like it sure. is now. And then I'll buy one and I'll play all the fun games, you know, like I'll wait till a Wii U is like 150 bucks and I'll probably buy one and play all the fun games. Like that's kind of my my style of Nintendo consumption. 
Fair I think enough. the yep. I think the perfect uh, like the thing that you said earlier, uh, where your friend was just like, "Yeah, you can borrow my Wii for a couple of months. I, I don't need it." Like yeah. that's the perfect encapsulation <laughs> of the Wii U right there. <laughs> yeah, but can you imagine oh, like, letting somebody borrow your your PS4 for a few for a few months? Like I wouldn't do that in a million years. I'd be like, "No, I play it every fucking yeah. day." What are you talking about? <laughs> so yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, let's let's move on. Um, and let's talk about another video game that is dear to everybody's hearts that just seems like it will never, ever come out, which is The Last Guardian, which was delayed even <laughs> further, uh, which is kind of a good thing for me because this was originally coming out on the same day as the Dark Souls 3 DLC, making streamers everywhere make some really hard choices. Uh, but I think they've delayed it to sometime in December just saying like, hey, there's some, some stuff that we have to get done. And um, this was accompanied with some some new video footage, new gameplay footage that Polygon had put up on YouTube with like about 18 minutes worth. I didn't watch the full 18 minutes worth of footage. I watched like the first minute and a half. And I don't know. It looked a lot like... I mean, again, it, it's a YouTube video and I'm streaming it on the internet, so I'm not going to mark about its graphics. But like the animation looked okay. The, the little critter bird dog thing looked fine like it it just looked it looked like exactly what i expect that game to look like which is pretty much like ico but i just expected it to look like ico with a fancy coat of paint 15 years ago <laughs> so i don't know what, what are you do you guys have any opinions as far as you know the delay and what it, what, it, what it means for this game fader you can start us out yeah um yeah i said it said it once i said it a thousand times <sighs> that i'd rather a game to be delayed and it work um, as intended, rather than it being rushed out. Um, I think game developers, should, they should have just held off and waited to announce the release date uh, if they weren't 100% sure. Uh, so it's a bit of a shame, but yeah, uh, it does seem like this one's bound to be the final delay. That's my my thoughts. Like, it, it, they can't. Yeah. If it was going to be a longer delay, if they had any inclination that it would be longer, they would have just pushed it back to next year. you know you say that about like not releasing release dates and uh on my twitter like excuse me on my facebook this morning i had a memory and it's it's weird in two ways number one i don't really post on facebook very much anymore so like this was unusual for me to be posting game stuff on facebook to begin with but it was literally me posting a a trailer like that came out for the ps3 of like hey this is that new game that's coming out holiday 2011 (laughs) (laughs) and i'm i think i even say in the in the in the post like i'm so excited for it (laughs) It's just ridiculous. Like, just don't announce release dates. Don't start marketing this stuff so early. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Kyle, what, what about you? Are, are you are you a fan of Shadow of the Colossus and Ico to begin with? Uh, not as much as a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did I did enjoy Shadow of the Colossus to an extent. Um, Ico, I've bounced off of twice now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't like the way it feels in my hands, and this game looks like it's not going to feel great in your hands. Uh, it looks like, I mean, obviously, you know, they're more. Um, like we were saying pre-show, they're more story and, and sort of artsy oriented games. They're more they're more they're more like experience driven than they are like you know razor sharp controls. Uh, but still, uh, those games kind of drove me nuts. I'm, I'm going to say it like Ico kind of drove me nuts. Shadow Colossus was fun, uh, but Ico. So I don't know. And any game that's stuck in development hell for as long as this game has been, uh, that does not bode well. So I'll wait and see what reviews look like before. I go out and purchase one. Vader, you're probably not going to be day one for this game either, right? Because you're not... I remember um, just based on your YouTube series where you played Shadow of the Colossus, you didn't come out of that game with like uh, the adoration that a lot of people did have for it. 
No, um, I'm, I'm pretty excited for it. Like, I, I'd be, I'm excited to see what they can do with maybe some, hopefully, more refined controls. <laughs> but it's not sounding promising. Uh, yeah, I, I think, I think it was too dated for me. I didn't play it in its heyday, and so mm. it was just so mechanically dated that it was really hard to get into. Like, it was, if it played like, if you could climb like you can in like Assassin's Creed or um, Shadows of Mordor, it would it would it'd be awesome. But it just, yeah, uh, I, I I could see why people like it. Put it that way, and I did yeah. enjoy, I, I enjoyed the, the the wonder of it and and <laughs> no how impressive. It. <laughs> Sorry, um, it wasn't actually. <laughs> um, I can I can I can understand, and I yeah I I the spectacle of it, and it was impressive that they made the world feel so atmospheric with such crappy straight graphics like everything was straight lines like there wasn't just very few curves and the the colossi is, is colossi the, plur, the plural for colossus like i never could work that out that's fine yeah that's, that's what i would say because I, I put the eye at the end oh, of everything okay. like this, you know hey there's several book eye over there that i need to go pick up from the library so don't even worry about uh, yeah, yeah makes sense <laughs> the last guardian it will be reborn a colossus a colossi <laughs> i mean it's gotta have like oh don't even get me started on the lore implications guys i actually kind of dig the lore of those humans, so we, we should probably not even get into that um <laughs> well, let's, well my, let's, my go ahead yeah i reckon ico and shadow colossus are related with oh yeah, yeah. Abso- absolutely they are see my 10-part youtube series youtube.com forward slash <laughs> <laughs> um let's get into some tgs stuff uh tokyo game show was this week and guys i was a horrible gamer i i don't think there was like somebody even asked me on my twitter earlier it was like was there any news that got you excited and i was like well they didn't announce a demon souls remaster so not so really <laughs> it's the only thing i was really looking for uh and that didn't exist vader you, you put some stuff in the notes here that you wanted to talk about do you want to uh, walk us through it I'm, I'm the same. I, I've been so flat out. I've barely looked at it, but I had a quick look through some top. It was like a list of top 11 uh, announcements or things to be excited about. And I just chucked a few things down that I thought were of note. Um, Monster Hunter is getting a Hollywood movie. And I find it interesting they put the term Hollywood in there. So it obviously mean a Western movie. Sure. Um, Do you guys play so, one, one Monster I, Hunter at all? I, I don't, I'm not much of a Monster Hunter fan. No, I've heard really good either. things about it, but I've never had. Uh, they're usually only on handhelds, right? Yeah, I, I played. Guess there's a Wii uh, version. Yeah, I played there? the Wii version because uh, a friend of mine kept saying, "Like, oh man, you got to try it. You got to try it. You got to try it." Uh, and they're it's it's one of those games that it gets uh, slotted in with Dark Souls a whole lot, uh, but is just enough different from Dark Souls, I think, to drive Dark Souls fans crazy. Like, there's no lock on. So you're kind of spastically moving the controllers and trying to attack at the same time. And then the areas are extraordinarily segmented. Like, <clears throat> imagine if you went through a loading screen like six times to get to the uh, Taurus Demon and the Undead Berg. <laughs> like, it feels that cramped. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, and I know that's because of its handheld roots, right? Like, coming from the DS, like, that's that's the way they made those levels, and it made a lot more sense. But, yeah, for a game that I'm playing on my TV, I was like, oh, this is not great. So... But that's fine. The movie sounds cool. Yeah, I. It seems like there's a bit of negativity around it, but I don't know. A lot of, lot of the movie industry's done really well at translating uh, different types of media into film form. Like a lot of our Marvel games are, are movies. Cut it. 
around <laughs> Marvel comics have done really well and been transitioned into into movie form recently. And um, and so I think I think now is probably a good time to transition some of these other uh, forms of media into movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I think a few years back I would have been a lot more worried, but uh, yeah, I, I I think it could be quite good because even even some guys. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Um, yeah, well, traditionally, it, um, movie game tie-in movies are terrible, but I think of recent we've had some good ones. Um, so yeah, I think it's a good you time liked, to do it. You liked the Warcraft movie, right? That was the last one that we talked about here. Yeah, I thought it was fun, mm-hmm. um, and I really enjoyed the Final Fantasy. Um, that was the other one. Okay, that was the, the new the Final Kings, Fantasy fifteen. Kingsglaive. Kingsglaive. Yeah. But that, that's a bit different because that was made by the um, Square Enix studio themselves. And yeah, I thought it was really good. I th- in, in fact, it wasn't just a good intro to the game. I actually found it was one of the better movies I've seen recently. I actually really enjoyed it as a movie. Wow. It's come a long way from Spirits Within. But I see. I enjoyed that though. So, so. Yeah. Peter has pretty terrible taste in media is the problem here. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you can't trust well, anything. See, I, a lot. A lot of game-themed Hollywood movies have kind of died on the cutting room floor, too. There was originally supposed to be, like, a... Was it Peter Jackson that was supposed to do a Halo movie? Yeah. Yes. Uh, but that that never happened, so... Well, from what I remember, that turned into District 9. Yeah. Oh. Huh. So, it wasn't done by... Uh, Aweta did a lot of the, the visual effects for District 9. It was done. That I don't know if that's true, but that's that's the, the kind of the impression I got. District 9 was Neil Blomkamp, though, right? Yeah, yeah, but I want to say that uh, what's his name had like producer credit on it. Like, I think there was some weird stuff happening there because Neil Bonkaf also had like he was going to do uh, he was going to do some Blizzard game. Maybe he was on the docket for Warcraft to begin with. I don't remember. All the stuff is oh, yeah. so like it's it's always so weird when they're like such and such director or such and such is going to produce. Like, it might as well be yeah. Kojima with like saying like, oh, that dude from The Walking Dead's totally going to be in this game, guys. Like, sure, okay, I'll believe it when I play him for five hours. Let's see what happens. Um, yeah, well, when when I said Weta, I don't know if you guys knew what I meant. Uh, Weta is the special effects studio um, that Peter Jackson set up for Lord of the Rings, well, oh, previously oh, okay. as well. I think. So Weta, Weta Digital and Weta Workshop are the, the studios um, who do the physical effects and uh, props and and sets. And then there's Weta Digital um, here, and they're based here in Wellington, not far from where I live. Oh wow! Um, I just want to plug something real quick too that has nothing to do with this podcast, but. Uh, Gary and Cole that do Bonfire Side Chat from the Duck Feed Network, they have another podcast called Adaptation Decay. And um, I think it's like a Patreon only goal, and they sell like the episodes in their store for a couple of bucks a piece or something. But uh, it's basically a podcast about this, like where they take uh, a movie uh, that's been made based on a video game and they kind of discuss it whether it was good or bad. Uh, the last one I listened to was on Doom, and I think they've done Resident Evil as well. So. Two not great movies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, at the last time I heard, they were going to try to really get like a third one that was actually really good. But like, you start going through the list of games that have been made into movies. Like, what are some good ones? We tried to do it on this podcast like ten episodes ago. I don't think we got very far. Um, but yeah, Super Mario Brothers, man. So Except for Super Mario Brothers, of course. Does not get any better, honestly. <laughs> if you're gonna, um, if you're gonna go hard, right? Like, if you're gonna go, like, go, go all the way. <laughs> great film or the greatest film. <laughs> <laughs> Capital T and G. 
<laughs> so the next item on our TGS list is uh, that Metal Gear Survive has more in common with Metal Gear Solid Five than you think, and I can just already hear Cliff like blowing a gasket that we're talking about this one. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Thank you, Kyle. God, Konami, dude, what are you doing? Did you, uh, uh, well, just, did, did you see any specific details on how it was more like Metal Gear Solid Five? Um, that's I'm just pulling it so I pull up the article again. Um, I just thought that was quite interesting because marketing, as we know from Dark Souls Three, marketing isn't necessarily uh, specifying what the game will be. Like you can have bad marketing in a good game, and I don't know. Like I, I'm I'm not ho- super hopeful for it. But there are still people who in that in that team, development team, who worked on Metal Gear Solid Five, who have some fantastic skills. I still am curious to see what they can do and give them the benefit of the doubt. Not necessarily Konami the benefit of the doubt, but those poor people who work for these big companies. Because it's not just Konami; it's all the big studios that are bad at each other. Really, it's just Konami's been in the firing line recently. Well, and Konami uh, has some reports coming out that really shows them as being like horribly aggressive towards their own employees and like some some really like some really skeezy stuff that they do involving you know like oh you don't want to do this like you're not, you, you can't follow up with this and so now now you're a security guard for two weeks like they're not even letting people do their jobs <laughs> so, like to me um and i know this is this is <laughs> heretical language on this podcast but as somebody who didn't really enjoy any of the metal gear solid games until five and only enjoyed the parts of five that didn't have the batshit crazy Kojima stuff in there. Like, I, I don't really care that much. Like, I'll definitely try it out if it runs on this engine and it's fun. Like, I, I want to tr- check it out, but like, could care less about the story stuff. All the, all the story stuff in five was just incomprehensible garbage to me. Like, oh, there's a flying guy on fire. That's weird. Now I'm gonna go take this base over. Like, all I wanted to do was like take over bases over and over again. Anyway, yeah, I loved the Metal Gears. I love the Metal Gear series as a kid, uh, and and as an adult, they've aged very poorly for me. Um, I really only still enjoy the original Metal Gear. Uh, Metal Gear Two is so it's like it's like when a great author um, they get bigger and bigger, and with each book they sort of wrestle control away from their editor or have no editor at all. You know what I mean? Yep. So like George R. R. Martin, you know, his his first couple books are. are a paltry 900 pages. And then by the time he gets up to the fifth book, he's like at 1500 pages and the editor, you know, he fired him and put him in a stockade a long time ago. That's what it kind of feels like with, uh, with Kojima is that no, everyone was afraid to tell him that something in his games sucks. Yeah. It's like sometimes his entire game sucks and tells him, um, because you don't play very much of it. Like Metal Gear Solid 4 literally made me late to work because it's ending sequence of credits and, and cut scenes is an hour and a half. long. <laughs> I keep hearing that. It yep. just it boggles my mind when I hear stuff like that. Mm. Um, yeah, I remember starting the the end sequence of Metal Gear Solid Three two and a half hours later, like, <laughs> still fighting the boss. Yeah, I I was talking about that with a buddy last night. We were playing uh, Castle Crashers, and uh, and he, I was just like, you know what? I don't think I like Metal Gear anymore. Like, I don't know what <laughs> happened, but it, it used to be my favorite series. Like, I was obsessed with Metal Gear Solid, the original, um, and it, I don't know, man. They're so rough, and I didn't even finish Metal Gear Five. Uh, no matter how well it played, it was incomprehensible. And then uh, having you replay levels just on a harder difficulty as part of a storyline uh, did not sound enticing to me. So I, I don't hold out a lot of um, hope for Metal Gear Survive. Long story well, short, 
it sounds like it could be uh, it could be right up your alley if because it's cut out the Kachina extremeness. It might be yeah, suit you. Yeah, I it mean, you, it could. Um, I think that Konami being Konami as they are now is going to exploit that series to the fullest. So I think it's going to have a lot of other. You know, it's kind of like the devil you know or the devil you don't. It could have like microtransactions out the yin yang and all kinds of bad stuff going on. <laughs> oh, it most predatory it game certainly design. will have microtransactions <laughs> out the yin yang. <laughs> it could be. It could be a freaking pachinko machine in a, in a AAA console gaming case. Uh, who knows? But. Yeah, yeah exactly. Is... We'll see. There's, there's gameplay out released the Saturday. It said. Uh, oh, good. I, I wouldn't mind taking a look oh. at actual gameplay of that because if the, yeah. the, the engine of Metal Gear Solid Five is what really sold that game for me. Like it looked good, it played uh, exactly. amazing, and like just the sheer amount of stuff that you could do on the controller. Like that was that was just fascinating to me. Like the way that they made that game. So I'm, I'm, I'm you know, cautiously optimistic about this game, but especially because I have no concern for the Metal Gear story or no care for it. Like I didn't bond with it as a kid, like a lot of people did. So to me, it's just like you know, just other shit that's happening in the game that I don't care about. Uh, while yeah, we're on yeah. Ko- Kojima, you have something down here for Death Stranding. Do you want to you want to talk about that? Apparently, there's been gameplay. Um, you saw it, Kyle, didn't you? Some gameplay discussion. I don't know well, much I about read, this one. Yeah, I read an article about it. Uh, it's not very clear naturally uh, about what you actually do in a game, <laughs> but it's it sounds like it's kind of like an emergent multiplayer. Uh, so I don't know. The, like the best way to describe it may be like. I, it's an action adventure, emergent multiplayer experience is what I've gathered. You know so that, I mean, you know, what that, you know what that sounds like when you say it like that? It sounds like Dark Souls PvP to me. That's what that sounds like. Like, is it? Is it just yeah, Dark Souls PvP? <laughs> I don't know if it's co-op or if it if it's if it's purely co-op or if it's also adversarial. I don't know if it's like Rust or Daisy or something like that with some kind of Kojima twist to it. I have no idea. Uh, but those were the words that stuck to me from the article. Man. Uh, this game is never coming out. It's not going to come out until like, you know, <laughs> you know, I don't know. The Xbox Taurus is here like five years after the Scorpio comes along. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's I don't know. I've got a quote. I, I haven't read it completely, but I can read it out. I think this is from Kanjiva. Uh, Most games basically have people going at each other, like aggressors. Jima pointed out that action games de- developed as players, Face, facing off against the computer, which was followed by players battling online, then playing together in co-op against the computer, but this, but still battling. Death Stranding will have action and combative elements, Kojima promised, but he wants the game to create links, strands. Oh, look out. <laughs> um, if you will if you will, between players, instead of just having them try to knock each other down. There if you, you die in the okay. strand, you die in real life. That's what the death strand is all about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So that still doesn't really explain much. Um, yeah. yeah. It this, sounds this, like this game is never coming out. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Oh, right. yeah. It's going to be a long time. <laughs> it I sounds mean, it, like Dark Souls that you get souls in Dark Souls. It's kind of like there's going to be strands in Death Stranding. Like I never thought I'd stand up for for Konami, and it's not like I am. But in a way, can like can you ever can you not empathize with him a little bit when you have a dude like Kojima who's just like shoveling money into the fire? You know what I mean? Like just like, like billions of dollars into the fire after years and years, and he's just like, 
no, the game's going to be perfect, you know? 100%. And, and eventually man. someone had to pull the plug on him, you know? I get it, dude. I get it. Like, you can't have, like, an auteur in a company like Konami who is so focused on the on the bottom line. Like, he needs a place, like, somebody can, like, feed him stuff and, like, let him do his own thing. But, like, not maybe not with a $50 million budget. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that seems nuts to me nowadays. That's that even an string their priest. But Tony's got deep other uh, willing to... Ooh, man, Death Stranding. What a craziness. It'll be something to talk about, that's for sure. It's not going to be it's not going to be uh your run of the mill game. Vader, you're you're a big fan of Neo, right? Yes, so I'm excited that there's a release date. Um I really enjoyed the the recent demo. Um and I know that you haven't given it time time and in your day, but it's worth it. It's it's all the fun. <laughs> Uh, it's. I really like the setting. I really like um, the gameplay. It's very, very hard. It's. It's a little too, too hard at times. But it's. They've, they've tamed it down a lot since the first beta, uh, and so it's a lot more manageable. Uh, there's a bit of a tutorial at the start of the, the demo, which helps understand the mechanic. Uh, I think I talked about last time. There's this cool um, stamina regain system, mm-hmm. uh, which, which I really like the timing and, and and the risk reward of that. Uh, so you can actually force yourself to run out of stamina to take out someone or to do a lot like do a critical hit. Um, and usually that would completely cripple you and then they could almost kill you straight away. But if you time the regain appropriately, um, then you, you get enough stamina back to kind of get away. And so there's a bit of risk reward in there, uh, which is really cool. Uh, and so I, I am really looking forward to playing it. Um, and it'll be a day one for me. Kyle, have you messed around with the beta or the alpha or seen anything about this game? Um, whatever the last beta was, I did play it for about an hour or so. Uh, I found it incredibly frustrating. Uh, I don't I don't know. Which, All right, which, I, which beta was this? Was this the when the same time Dark Souls 3 was released? Or? No, it was the most, most recent one. Like um, last week or something, two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, and I played it. I, I don't know if it's just that it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a tough game to kind of get into. And once you break through that ceiling, it, it gets a lot better, which is what, I mean, some people seem very, very enthusiastic about it. So I'm interested to see, I'm not going to buy it day one. Um, I don't know, man. There's just like so many stances and so many, <laughs> it seems, uh, it seems overly complicated, uh, but I could be just being a simpleton and I don't know what I'm talking about. And, uh, and yeah, you know, when, I, when be, I played the alpha, honest, it, seemed, I... it seemed very much overly complicated, but again, I'm not going to, I don't want to disparage a game based on its alpha. Like that's the word alpha is right in there. So like, I'm yeah. not going to say anything bad about it, exactly. but it, just, it, it wasn't yeah. something that I looked at and was like, I have to have this day one. I'm, I'm really glad that other people are clicking with it though. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, I understand like what I did with the stances. I just pretty much went straight in with and stuck with the mid stance. You're kind of your um, Jack of all trade stance. Mm-hmm. And I was, yeah, I was the same. I was like, it's, I, I can't decide which to switch between. And so then, but as I got into it and a few hours into the, into playing it um it kind of came more naturally to switch and so you come across enemies that were low down and so you switch to your the low stance which is faster but it has up down kind of attacks mm-hmm. uh, so you can uh, situationally you can choose your stance to fit what you're fighting and who you're fighting and where you're fighting uh okay. it's, it's so like one a of the levels type thing uh you know, yes or no. Um, it's just obviously one's faster, one's one's slower, and then one's kind of your standard blocking kind of stance. Okay. But also, um, it, like Dark Souls, like if you stick with your one of your weapons, 
and it's it's all horizontal attacks uh, that that specific weapon, and you're in a narrow corridor, it can be to your death <laughs> because you clip you hit the side of the wall. Uh, mm. Whereas this, you've got options to switch. And in Dark Souls, some of the weapons do have options if you go two hand the the attack pattern switches. It's kind of like that, um, where you can switch your you can control how you're swinging to suit what you're trying to accomplish. And so there's a level that's in a thin, narrow passageways uh, later in the demo. And yeah, you can switch to up and down type attacking to suit that narrow, uh, that narrow level space. And yeah. And so it, I, as I said, I found that overwhelming to start with. I stuck with it a, a, with one stance until it kind of felt natural and I understood how to play it. And I understood the timing of the enemies later in the game. And sort of, I, I evolved into using those stances. Uh, but you're perfectly fine to stick with one and just go with it. Cool. Well, yeah. it has a release date now, so that's great. Yeah, sorry. I enjoyed it. So sorry I talked about it too long, Jeremy. You did talk about it too long. <laughs> I wasn't saying that. <laughs> I didn't say that at all. Um, oh, I'm saying that because I realized I was getting and gushing about it and getting way into it. Uh, <laughs> no, that's, hey, that's the reason you have a podcast is so you can gush about the games that you like and you can bitch about Nintendo. That's the only two reasons to have a podcast. So. There you go. go watch. Well, let's get into some games that we've been playing, of which I have been, um, I have been a, a, yet again a bad gamer and not played very much. Uh, I had some, some family craziness this week and just had some general work and podcast craziness for the last the week before, so I just have not had a lot of time to play. Um, but I do want to jump in. Uh, last weekend, Blizzard put on a free Overwatch weekend, so you could download a... It was basically a demo. Like it showed up on the PSN store and said, "Like try free demo," but uh, you downloaded it. It had basically everything unlocked, um, so you could play any character, you could play any map. You, it was just basically a full version of the game, and you could just get in there and, and play with people just like you would if you went out and spent sixty dollars. Um, and then they reduced the price of the game down to I think uh, fifty bucks during the sale or during the free weekend. So, Vader, I know you had, right before this free weekend, you had already purchased it. Is that right? Yeah, I purchased it because I've been bad-mouthing it, because I'm not a huge fan of the art style and whatnot, and mm-hmm. various things. Um, so I thought I should put my money where my mouth is <laughs> and give it a go. And then Kyle, I was annoyed you, that, yeah, uh, I could just try it for free. Where are you at on, on Overwatch? Uh, I have it on... Actually, I think I have it on both systems. I uh, played quite a bit of the beta. Not so much full release. Uh, I, I found it a little bit frustrating on console. From what I understand, the console version has different balancing than the PC version. Uh, it's still it's a very good-looking game. Uh, it's very skill-based, a lot of skill shots. Uh, definitely difficult, but it's fun and, and manageable to pick up. Uh, it, it's, it's Blizzard, so it's a quality product. You just know that right off the bat. Um, I'm kind of interested in playing it more, but it really sucks solo. Like, really sucks solo. <laughs> you have to have teammates. You have to be on the same page. Um, there's no solo queue that I know of. So, no, um, I've been playing. Uh, so I, I really like it. Let me say that. Like, I, I was kind of surprised by how much the game took wow. me. Like, I've, I've played for like I I bought it the I played it all weekend, and then I bought it like as soon as the trial was over. And it was it was actually kind of a really smooth experience. You could hit a button, buy the game, and then like everything was. I didn't have to like reload. Like all of my experience points were still there. Like every like my level was still there, unlocks were still there. Like everything that was really really easy. Um, I, I started playing it with some people from the Duckfeed group and had a really really great time. Just like everybody hanging out, like 
there were a couple of people that had played the game for a while. So they were kind of helping me like, Oh, Hey, try this character. Or if we're in this situation, try that character. So I had some guidance that, which was yeah. really, really handy since then. Um, I have, I guess what you would call solo queue. Like I just hit the play button. I just, it loads me into a game with, you know, five, six strangers and I just play. And, uh, yeah, that isn't as fun as playing with buds. Obviously, like anytime you have people on the mic with you making jokes, that's going to be a better game experience. But, um, just also from a like ability to win standpoint, like overwatch really relies upon, you know, having those weapon, having those characters that you pick and having those skills really overlap and support one another. And yeah, it's all about team synergy. And if you have, uh, and it tries to guide you, you know, if you pick one character and it says, you know, you know, you need more healers or you need more tanks or you need more, whatever, uh, but you know, people are dense as they are. So a lot of people will just like, you'll have a whole team of McCrees and you'll just get spanked. So it, it, <laughs> yeah. Um, at one yeah. point, uh, and we did this on purpose, but like there were four or five people on my team that all had Reapers and we just kept spamming the hello command <laughs> <laughs> and for anybody out there that hasn't, uh, in fact, this might be the one thing that I cut in, but like for anybody out there that hasn't heard it, like the Reaper has this, uh, hilariously edgy, like, like the crow movie kind of voice and he you know so like every time you say hello with him he goes hello hey <laughs> and like when you do his ultimate like he's literally going die 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 like it's ridiculous and over the top but we just kept spamming it yeah. over and over again because we were terrible people uh but yeah, like if you don't yeah, have you- those teams, like if you don't have like that that kind of cohesiveness, what ends up happening a lot of times is like let's say you're trying to take a point you one person will run in get killed they go back to the spawn the second person will run in get killed they go back to the spawn and it's just like a string of 1v5 <laughs> matches at that point because <laughs> nobody's waiting behind and grouping up they just want to rush in and try to do everything by themselves and you just can't do that if you especially if you're playing against an organized team it's just not possible I- yeah, conversely, those those synergies, if you have teams that can do it, it's some of the most satisfying gameplay you can have in a first-person shooter. I mean, I had a uh, – early on when the game first came out, I was playing a McCree, and my, my buddy was playing Mercy, and he was following me around just kind of like, you know, damage-boosting me and, and reviving me and stuff, and I was just one-shotting people because I have decent console aim, you know? And just like – it just – it feels amazing. It feels like you're unstoppable because you just have two people that work together that well. Mm-hmm. And uh, and other, everyone else is just kind of wandering around with their like a chicken with their head cut off. So <laughs> it, it can be very rewarding, but as a, as a player playing by yourself, it can be super frustrating. Yeah, exactly. And I I hope I get to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, most of the the duck feed group, which is my primary like pool of gaming people to play games with, um, or and really it seems like almost everybody, even on Twitter, is playing this on PC. Like they're not playing it on PS4. Uh, yeah, and that's that's kind of a bummer. But I'm, I've had I've had fifty dollars of fun with the game for like ten hours anyway, so like that's okay. Like, and I'll continue to play it more. It's just going to be a question of if I can find people to actually play the game with me or not. With how long I end up playing it. But like you said, it's a Blizzard product, and it man, is it it's polished as hell. Like everything feels great. Uh, I don't. I'm not smart enough about the game yet to know, really talk about balancing or anything. But just moving around, everything's at a solid frame rate. You know all the characters have like these individual personalities and even interactions with one another. Like it's just fascinating. It's really, really interesting to watch. Yeah. The game would be better without the voices though. Very irritating. You think so? I, I love them. I think that's <laughs> okay. great. I just oh, find okay. it so cliche and so dry. I just can't. Uh, yeah. I can't stand. <laughs> it's just, I like playing Reaper. I just can't stand when he says stuff. I'm like, just be quiet. 
Well, you're going to be really disappointed when I put a Reaper filter over your your audio track on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I play sound cooler. I, uh, yeah. I, I, I find the Reaper says stuff. <laughs> I find I find the the scripting is just way tacky. Like the voice acting is not bad. I just find the the actual um, scripting just so cheesy. Well, Blizzard, some of it's so meme worthy though. Like some exactly. of it, like, the, like justice reigns from above. <laughs> I mean, Blizzard so knew worthy. that this was going to be like full. That this was going to be a full internet thing. Like they, they knew the memes were going to take off as soon as they released this thing, and they, they I think they designed around that. Like you know, I mean, when um, that's what when the diva me. does her ultimate, like she literally says nerf this. I mean, like it's. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious it's yes. terrible but it's hilarious but see you, the, the exact same things that you're finding funny i just find just so sad because it's so, i just find that design mentality cynical and i just yeah I, that's yeah, fair, just, that's fair. Yeah. I, can, I can definitely see it rubbing <laughs> it the wrong way I, yeah. I can i can definitely see that i just it's one of those um, things for me that loops around like it goes the, so, so bad that it loops around to being good again like um <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a like an equivalent music thing that happens where like it's so terrible that I can't stop listening to it. I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but it's out there. Rebecca Black in the Friday song. Sure, I, like, I never got into that, but sure, I, I know people that like that's their ear, no. right? Like they just can't stop listening to it. Like they started listening to it because it was so terrible, and then they start finding themselves like listening to it all the time. So, yeah, the Which IT guys in my last job would play it every Friday. I uh, just yeah. Oof. Yeah, my you, wife Friday's you, you like song the at school was the um, yeah. So people are probably interested because I've been bad mouthing it because yeah, so I'm not still not a huge fan of the um, uh, so the design. And part of the problem is is that we talked about it earlier about these AAA games storing in microtransactions, and we we bad mouth certain games, but certain other games seem to get away with it, and people are like ah, it's just it's Overwatch, it's okay, it's a good game, whereas it's I think it's just appalling this whole skin system and loot, loot crates and. Yeah. But I mean, you don't have to. Yeah. Like, I, and maybe this is just my ignorance, but like, you don't really have to do any of that, right? Like, I don't feel like I'm missing out anything by not having the skins or the voice no, or whatever. No, you're right. You don't. Mm-hmm. But the fact is, there are that people like your was it your stepsister's son who mm-hmm. will be spending money on that. Um, and it's, I, yeah, it doesn't need to be there. Uh, Jim Quisition talked about it. He loves Overwatch. Um, Jim Sterling, sorry, in his Jim Quisition channel. And yeah, he talked about it and he and he said he loves the game, but he'll still badmouth it. Whereas a few years ago, we were, everyone was appalled by the fact that there was microtransactions on AAA game. We have got to the point where it's become acceptable um, because we like the game. And I kind of agree with what he's saying. We should still show that we are not don't approve of it even though we like a game um i think there's an important distinction to be made also total biscuit did a pretty good video about this when the game came out but there's an important distinction to be made between cosmetic and gameplay uh based yes so they could have yes. made they could have made uh overwatch a free-to-play game certainly um you wear in skins as you go but then they would be selling characters and i think they wanted to make sure that all of the characters were available to everyone because the game's very reactive you know like if, if there's a certain amount if there's a certain setup on another team and you need to, to react to that, you want to have all the characters available to you. They, they encourage you to switch characters often as the match unfolds. Um, so they made all of the skins. Uh, they're cosmetic, but they are for sale. But they're not gameplay dependent, which is really yeah. huge. Which, which uh, is some right, game, yeah, some games on console, and we're, we're going to talk about this 
you know, fairly soon here with Halo are, are basically <laughs> monetizing uh, game-changing power weapons, which is awful, like an awful yeah. practice in a first-person shooter, almost like the holy grail of terrible things that could happen. Uh, this is, isn't as offensive to me. Um, I wish that for the content that it has and for it selling skins like that, that it wasn't a full-price console game. I wish that it was 40 bucks. That's what I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that's what it, it's been out for a few months now, but it's still selling for retail. I got it for a bit cheaper because I imported it from a, a store that sells it for the UK because our price is just crazy here in New Zealand. Oh, uh, yeah, so I, I got it for a, I got it for a 40%, 30% cheaper than I can get it in a store here. Um, but it's still full price here. Like it's, and it, yeah, you're right. They should be selling cheaper if they're trying to make money elsewhere. Um, but overall, the gameplay is fun. I had a, a weird experience, and I think it seems to happen to me a lot. Like I going into it reasonably cynical because um, that's me. Um, enjoyed the first few matches; it seemed to just destroy things, and I was like, "Man, this is awesome." Then I realized that when it says eliminated, that it means that I didn't actually kill them <laughs> necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be even hard to know even if you've assisted, right? Like, like if you've been wailing yes. on a dude, like you, and then somebody comes along and finishes them, like you still get the eliminated tag. I don't know if that you get credit for it. I don't know how the stats work. I haven't really looked into any of that stuff. Uh, but... It doesn't. It's kind of the kills that you get are somewhat hidden. Like it, it's you don't really see the actual final kills um, that easily. Like at the that that you see more is eliminations that you've participated in. And so it's it's designed yeah. to be more of a team-based thing. And so it's not this Call of Duty that you're going for the glory of getting all the... And I do like that. I really like that in the gameplay. It's not just this super competitive um, kill-death ratio focus that well, you can not, actually be successful. Even though it's skill-based, like you know, Kyle mentioned that he was getting... Like he has pretty good console aim, so he was getting headshots with McCree and like killing people in one hit as he was... You know, his damage was boosted. Like... Even though he was doing that, like uh, that, him doing that wouldn't necessarily mean that he's going to just slaughter everybody indiscriminately. Like, there's ways that you can play. There's different characters that you can pick and different strategies that you can employ that don't require that skill that can overcome that. And I think that's very, very important. Because yeah. what I was really worried about with this game, I mean, I wouldn't have even played it to be honest with you. Like, I wasn't even planning on picking it up at all because it was a multiplayer-only game that had been out for over a month and i just assumed like anybody that's still playing that game i'm just gonna do what game did uh the the titanfall 2 beta when it came out like that's that's what happened to be yeah. there like i literally spawned on the map got shot <laughs> spawned on the map got shot <laughs> and like that game had been out for like 12 minutes so uh yeah. it was really nice to see that and, and i didn't give titanfall 2 enough enough credit like I, I didn't play it enough i didn't have enough time to really get into it but like i just Immediately with Overwatch, I was like, oh, okay, that guy's really good, but I bet if I can try to do these other things, I can get around that. So, I don't know. Yeah. And so, as I said, I I kind of destroyed, and it seemed I won, like, I was involved in, like, five matches in a row winning. And then I stopped playing, and I played a game a couple hours later, or the next day, whatever it was. And then I just couldn't couldn't kill anybody. Just died, just constantly. Like, I died, like, 15 times one match i was like what's changed like i don't know what's going on like i just could not get any footing in like in the game at all and so i had this real kind of up and down roller coaster of how i felt about it i really enjoyed it and then i came back and was like sucks this is the worst game ever <laughs> but then yeah. i kind of got my footing again and it, um i've i've only played with steven uh steven last name never can pronounce it's with the x's and the v's and the l's i'm gonna hopefully <laughs> say the show hello no, that's not it. It's Vu Vila. Oh, man, we should really learn. Like he he's writing us. He's writing game reviews for us on our blog. We should we should probably learn how to pronounce that dude's name at some point. 
We should make him write his name uh, phonetically. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, Steve. <laughs> he, he jumped on me because I, I kind of complained about how I've got no friends uh, to play with. And so he jumped on uh, late one night uh, afternoon for me. Um, and it was more fun um, because we're joking. Like I chucked on my uh, Winston skin that I'd unlocked. It's like this hilarious safari outfit that he's got. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just it was just so funny because he's got this fake mustache and stuff. And, it was, and that's that's the side I want to play more of it uh, like with people. And I haven't really done it. I've only played just with him. Um, and so, yeah, I can see that'd be way better with a team. Um, but yeah, overall, I think it plays well. It's fun. I think there's too many characters in some ways. It's so, it's kind of overwhelming trying to work out who you like. Um, so it, it I, is I, yeah, that, I don't like, know. I feel very intimidated playing um, healer characters. Because this is, uh, believe it or not, like this is the first like squad based, team based shooter that I've ever played, and I don't, I don't normally really get into multiplayer shooters at all, but uh, like it just I don't have no idea what to do with the <laughs> and some of the like they they do the thing where like at any point you can hold left on the D pad and it tells you like your abilities and stuff. So um, this this woman on my Twitter, Kate, was like, oh, you should try Lucio. Like, he moves really fast and he's really cool. And I, think I hate that guy. And uh, <laughs> I tried it and I was like, I don't understand what I'm doing at any point. Like, I would click a button and be like, time to change the song. And I'm like, I am so confused right now. And I yeah, know yeah. that I could like, actually, like, I could probably practice with him and learn, but like, I felt like I was being such a detriment to the team that I went back to like my box standards. Like, I went back to the Bastion and the Soldier 76 and the Divas and the Widowmakers that I've been playing, so I, I I do want to experiment a lot more to see exactly how those characters work. But man, like they, they can be very very intimidating. It's very hard to experiment because yeah, you feel like you're letting your team down. Um, but at the same time, like if you like if you're not playing with a team, maybe I just don't care that much. Like <laughs> maybe I just want to get in there and learn. Like I don't care if I'm sucking that much, and I've got voice chat turned off. Yeah, good point. Ooh, man. Yeah. Yeah, Ooh. I had some screeching thirteen-year-olds yeah. coming through my speakers at some point, and that's not cool. We don't we don't do that over here. <clears throat> no, I've never actually had. I've I've played as play randoms, and the only thing I've heard is someone just like cough. Like no one said boo. <laughs> like I've never had anyone actually chat or try and chat. Um, any of the games I played. Uh, yeah, I, I I did I did enjoy Bastion, but I also now found out that apparently that's the Scrubs get player. You're not supposed to play him. Oh no! I think there's. Is true? I think there's. I think it's, it's the. I think it's one of the easier characters to learn, and he's like he's his the DPS when he's in his like transformed mode is insane, so it's really easy to kill people. But I, I don't know that, that you shouldn't play him. I think he's got specific right, times good. that you should play him. Yeah. But he is he is definitely the scrub um, character. <laughs> that's the thing. Like I said, my up and down experience with I've went off and like you know the car ones where you're kind of escorting the car along, mm-hmm. and I. Like I stood by the car and marched down and uh, Diva's, you know, mech, she's kind of cool. She's one of my favorites. Um, I just marched down next to the car and survived the whole match. You know, bust out the shield when I needed to. Whereas then like other matches, it's just, I, I turn around and she's dead. Like I die. Like it's just, I don't know. It just seems real weird. Maybe I was playing a team that was just completely, we were, maybe I'd partnered up with three or four people who were working together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just didn't know, and then the other team was just individuals. I don't know. I think, that yeah. could be. It, it's also a lot of it is about um, about picking the character that's the, that's a good counter pick for what their other characters are playing. So, um, who was it? Like May, I think is a good counter for uh, 
if you have somebody that's like being a really obnoxious tracer because she can freeze her and slow her down and she doesn't get to do all of her annoying things. Um, so there's a, you know, there's a counter for almost every other character in the game. And it's more about paying attention to what the other team is playing and then choosing yeah. your character based on that and having it all fit into the team composition. Uh, I don't have a ton of experience with it, but from what I understand, they, they encourage you to change often if, you're te- if your enemy players are changing characters and sort of giving you a hard time with their setup. Man, I've played some pretty mean uh, Genjis. They're just nuts. To like, I don't know how they can control the character that fast. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, oh, yeah. just destroying our team. I played. They're, a, they're uh, like rank like ninety, like ninety, and they're like, yeah. I played a Hanzo the other day that they were defending the point, and we were trying to capture it. And I swear to God, this dude killed me like fourteen times. Like every single there time I would die out of nowhere, it was a headshot from this dude. And like they just had a really good setup. Like they were guarding it. They had a Bastion kind of clearing the one entry, and they had a, a junk rat that was doing like some serious damage and doing doing some really neat, you know, ricochets with the grenades and things like that. But this guy was just moving back and forth and just waiting for people to pop out. Oh, and then they had a Widowmaker. I kept seeing on the replay that the Widowmaker's ultimate would get triggered, so like they could literally see us behind walls. And like they were just working operating perfectly as a team and i was like it yeah, almost made me yeah. want to quit it almost meant to be like i don't want to play this match i'm gonna go try to find another <laughs> yeah that's what sucks with yeah. no solo queue is that um solo queue would basically mean that everyone in the in the in the game enemy and friendly team is both just singular players playing with no teams and oh, okay. everything okay. like that, that makes yeah so it's made for people to not have to face that kind of setup because there's nothing you can do as a singular player if you don't have people working with you you can't do anything to break setups like that that's why it's so frustrating to play team-based online games without a solo queue option. Yeah, yeah, I've had that Hanzo man with the. I can't. I've tried going him because I like I like archers and I like Japanese characters, and so I tried. I tried him. I can't hit anybody. I seem to just die constantly to Hanzo. So walk, but it seems like they're just kind of doing pot shots at like narrow corridors. You walk around the corner, and just get hit. Like they can't know you're there. <laughs> Um, you just I just seem to be happen to be hit randomly a lot by Hanzo. They're good. Well, uh Kyle, what else have you been playing this week? Um, so my wife and I have been playing Mario Kart. She's uh she's never played games with me ever. Like it's it's always been my own thing, you know. And uh she I borrowed that Wii U from my buddy and he had Mario Kart with it and she you know she she gave it a try, and, and she's really been into it. So uh, I don't find Mario Kart to be all that fun. I can play it for like a half hour at a time, and it's pretty cool. Um, so I'm kind of trying to find games uh, that we can play together because I'm like really enjoying this time that I get to spend with her and, and her taking part in my hobby a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, well, I kind of like fighting games sometimes. So I, I picked up Smash 4, and we're going to play some Super Smash tonight and order a huge pizza and kind of nice. have some fun playing that. Yeah, hopefully she's into it because I could play that on my own and with her be totally satisfied <laughs> uh, because I'm totally bad at it and I, I really want to learn. Uh, other than that, um, I've just been catching up on some old favorites that I've kind of enjoyed. Uh, I played through Symphony of the Night, uh, which is one of my favorite games ever. Uh, this is probably the 20th time I've beaten it that I played through it, uh, but it's always fun. It's always enjoyable. I played through Super Metroid on the virtual console and uh, playing through Link to the Past right now. So just kind That's of good. the greatest hits of, uh, of my adolescence, which is great. Nice. Um, on the co-op tip, I don't really have a lot of suggestions yeah. for Wii U co-op games, uh, but for PS4... A- any console's fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a game... And PS4 and Xbox One, there's a game called Chariot that you might want to check out. 
It's essentially okay. uh, it's the two of you are each player characters and you're record and you're trying to pull this chariot which has like I don't know like I don't remember exactly but it's like a dead guy like on a, in a coffin or something. But your goal is like to get him to his proper burial ground. Um, and it's platforming, but like you said, you guys can jump up and everywhere. But of course, the chariot can't. So you've got these ropes that you can lash onto it. And so it's like, you know, hey, we've got to get it up here. So one person jumps up and grabs the rope and starts pulling it up, and another guy, you know, jumps up to a higher platform, fastens the rope, and then pulls it up to him. And like you kind of go back and forth. And there's all kinds of puzzles. Oh, cool! Stuff. My wife really, really dug that. <clears throat> okay, cool. And my wife also got really into Diablo 3. I don't know. That might be a little bit too hardcore, but, like, my wife doesn't play a lot of games either. But, like, for some reason, the console version of Diablo 3, like, I mean, she it's, she literally has the Platinum Trophy on it and the 100% on the Xbox wow. 360. So, like, we've done it twice now. Uh, but it's, wow, it's, dude. It's a, it's a really, like, it's very easy. Like, the, the, I don't Have you played it on console at all? Oh yeah, you just hold down the skill button, dude. Just yeah, run into a group of enemies and hold down the skill button. It's fucking awesome, man. Like it's so much fun. It is. Like it's it's really, really fun. Especially once you start getting into like once you get past the storyline, which is garbage, like once you start getting into the rifts, it's so much fun. And two people on the screen just like can have so much fun with it. Like I just can't describe it. Like it's so much fun. So Yeah. Those are always very addicting. Two again, again, another Blizzard game, so <laughs> Yeah, true, right? <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Vader, have you been playing anything besides Overwatch? Uh, yes, um, I got re. Briefly, I'll talk about it. I rebought Destiny with my. Um, yeah, at the same time, I bought Overwatch from this discount store overseas. Uh, I got the. I think it's the Taken King Legend mm-hmm. pack or something. It comes with like the first two expansions and then the DLCs and then the expansion, the Taken King. Okay. Um, for like. Yeah, for quite for quite cheap. Um, went in, played my original because I had it day one, and I played it and installed it. Um, I was a level twenty eight character, and it was uh, it's just mud, like it's absolute rubbish. Like now, the, the <laughs> weapons I had were like purples, legendaries, and stuff, and I just couldn't shoot, kill anything with them <laughs> so, because they were so outdated. Now, uh, I think the first weapon drop I got was a green, and it was better than my my legendary. Yeah, if you're playing on a new expansion, that'll happen. Um, and so I end up just scrapping that character. Um, and because that was on my my main pet, uh, PlayStation account, I switched over to my beta Van Odin one and started a new character and did the level boost to 25 and mm-hmm. it's already doing, doing more damage. Um, and so I've just, yeah, thought I'd pick it up so I could play with Cliff and stuff. And, um, cool. People have said that it's been made more smooth and you can know what's going on more. It's just more crazy. There's more just more icons on the screen than there used to be. <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what I'm doing. Like, um, it, it does play well. It's not as pretty as I remembered it. It's a, it's a very nice-looking game, but it's not as pretty as I remembered it. Um, I think games have got better looking since it... But Cliff did say in the, the more recent DLC and levels and stuff, the graphics are actually slightly nicer. Um, but I, yeah, I'm, God, I'm, I'm just kind of redoing their first missions. Um, it, it, it's game. It's Destiny. It plays well. Um, I don't like the grind, um, but it's just been a bit of fun. I got to play with Cliff last week, which was fun. And yesterday they released, I don't know if you know about this, uh, Carl, they um, did this weird virus thing. Yeah, it's I like, heard about that. Like, I'm a... Sorry, go. 
I no, go ahead. I what does it do exactly? I I don't really know. I just saw some screenshots and stuff on my Twitter. Uh, yeah, it's it's really bizarre. Um, you just started like people just started going nuts about. It. I think it just kind of happened. There was no announcement. It just kind of people started getting infected. Um, and you could go, yeah, it's really weird. And so in the crucible and the PVP, uh, no one, from what I can tell, no one's worked out how it actually transmits, like how you actually get infected. And by the way, this is disgusting that people are talking about being infected and stuff and wanting to be infected. It's kind of gross. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's a virus that's, that's, um, there's multiple of them. There's several. I've got managed to get two and yeah, you get like this weird aura around your character. So I've got these, like, it looks like lots of little flies, like multicolored flies flying around my character's head. And they, they give you XP boosts. Um, the most I've seen someone have is four. Um, and yeah, I've got two. I've got like fortitude and brilliance or something they're called. And yeah, it's really weird. And so no one knows what it's doing. Um, maybe it's just trying to help people level up, get ready for the, the, the next expansion that's about to drop. I don't know. It's it's really bizarre. It's kind of cool that they kind of just did it and it's happened and it's just the world, went, the Destiny world went mental and it's, everyone was jumping in and trying to play the Crucible to get infected, uh, which again, is gross that you're trying to get infected with a disease, a non-disease. Uh, <laughs> Didn't Destiny do this at like way early? Like I remember something about a game like infecting players and that like it started well, with the developers that they would go in and play. Like they, they were the one, they were the carriers or whatever. Um, there was some like multiplayer game that did this a few years back. I'm just not remember. What World of Warcraft did it. World of Warcraft did it apparently. Uh, okay. That makes sense. Um, it's a very bungee like thing But they take a lot of cues from Blizzard. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, when it comes to this kind of like uh, MMO world building type stuff, especially with these last few expansions. So I'm, a, I'm actually going to maybe skip Rise of Iron. I've, I've played a whole lot of Destiny. I'm, I'm, my You're like a thousand hours in, right? Yeah, I have, I have over a thousand hours in Destiny, uh, which is a lot. It's a whole lot. Um, it, it, it's, it's an excellent game. I love Bungie games. I, I have been a huge Halo fan for years and years. Um, and... Yeah, I, I, they always make it so I could skip it now, and they always make it at the at the tail end of an expansion when a new one's about to come out. They always make it really easy for sort of new players to catch up. So you do all this work and all this grind, uh, which is negated about six months later when they they put out the catch up patch that makes it easy for everyone else to reach max level before the next expansion. So really, there's no hurry to jump into a new expansion right away. Um, it, it, it's usually about a month's worth of content, and you know, uh, it, it gets cut down to a couple weeks when you uh, when you play it on the catch up patch. So I'm not too concerned with it, but it looks pretty cool. I mean, they, it's always fun when when something new gets added to the the uh, the Destiny universe because it's it's sort of gotten a lot bigger than it was in its vanilla days, uh, yeah. which was which was pretty skimpy when it first came out. Yes, it was. Um, yeah, so I fobbed it off the first time uh, before any of the. DLCs dropped um, because I didn't want to be tempted to buy them because I was kind of over it at that point. And so I yeah. got it really cheap now. So I'm happy to get back into it. And it's just going to be one that sits in the background. I'm not going to rush through it. See, um, that, I mean, you did the smart thing because I, I, my thousand hours, you could get, you could get to where I am with not much difference in our characters and 15 hours probably. <laughs> you know, I've done, on, I've done it on three characters and all, and all that, but uh, to, you know, to get to, to my light level with a, a bunch of my knickknacks and stuff uh, in, in a you know, pretty powerful character, it wouldn't take you as long as I did, that's for sure. 
Yeah, when I yeah. played well, it, yeah, uh, no, it to... I, when I played it, the Taken King, um, like I think I started it on a on a weekend, and Cliff, like somewhere somewhere on Sunday, I was like, "Yep, that's level 40. And Cliff was like, "How the hell did you do that?" And it was, yeah. you know, a buddy of mine had bought the game, and we had linked our accounts, so I had an experience boost, and they were literally basically like walking me through the game for all the story content and helping me out. Like it, it goes very very quick in that kind of situation, but I would imagine even if you're just playing by yourself, it goes super fast too. Well, yeah, light, light level takes longer than just your regular level. So you'll hit yeah. the max light level, and that, that's all uh, gear dependent. So you have to do some grinding for gear. But at the same time, it, it they make it easier after every consecutive patch uh, because they know that people they want people to catch up so they can play the next expansion. Um, they don't want anybody to get frozen out, essentially. Yep. Oh, what I find with Destiny, I always like the look of the trailers and they look fascinating, but the, the actual wonder that they portray in the, the trailers never actually gets translated into the first-person shooter world. Like, yeah. Like, it's, it's got a great art style, and it's a really great co-op game. Yeah. It's yeah. a great yeah. game to just play with people and kind of you know joke around about your day and turn your brain off a little bit and just kind of enjoy a good-looking game. Uh, it's not the deepest thing in the world. But yeah, for for a while, me and Brian Wade had like several times a week hookups to do like your your dailies and to do the Crucible PvP and all that kind of stuff, and that that was yeah. really good time. But I think I just really like hanging out with B Wade, so I think it was more that. <laughs> I mean, like Destiny's fun; yeah, it feels yeah. really good in the hands, and like, but and they've designed a really good game. But like again, anytime you're playing games with buds, like the game is going to be elevated more than it usually would yep. be. So yeah, exactly. Yep. And yeah, I had I had uh, one person I was playing with. Was actually my best man from my wedding. He is living and he doesn't live nearby anymore. And we both picked up PS4 at the same time and both were playing Destiny. And it was fantastic. And I really enjoyed those times. But then he kind of uh, stopped playing, and so that's I had no one really to play with at the time. And so yeah, so it's just going to sit on my shelf and be one that I can play with people every now and then. It's, I'm not going to game it too hard. I want to mention that uh, this is the week that I finally finally shook my addiction of no man's sky so i think i'm finally done with that game. <laughs> oh yeah yeah and you lasted uh, longer than a lot of people I, I did like going by the internet like i think i was the only person that was still posting screenshots at some point because i was still interested uh i never made it to the center and because uh, i like i said last time i lost all my atlas stones doing being a dumbass uh, i never finished that side quest either but at this point like I'm totally comfortable having played that game for as long as I did. I didn't have my expectations. Like I, I wasn't following the development of that game. So I like, I, the, the game that I got was pretty much the game that I expected to get and totally happy with it. And just kind of waiting to see if they do anything else with that game. If they don't, it'll be really disappointing. I think, I think if they don't, if they don't continually support that game and, and continually like come out with new stuff for it, it's going to be a serious bummer. Um, I, I won't, I won't be upset with them because I'm not that dude, but like, I'll look at that and go like, well, you, like, you guys should have made a game around this. Like there's not much game in, in that game at all. Uh, but hopefully they'll, you know, they're with the stuff that they've been saying sounds pretty good. I just, I will kind of have to wait and see. I didn't see. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm the same. I, I, I don't, I had, well, I can't even say what I want to say. Um, it's exactly what I thought it would be. I, I don't expect any more from the game. And so I'm not disappointed. I enjoy it. Um, I stopped playing sooner than you because I've got, I got those three games. I got Destiny, I got Deus Ex, I got 
Overwatch, and so I've just got, and then I've got bought Recall. So that's the only reason I haven't played more of it is because I've got so much else to play. But yeah, well, go Overwatch back to was the nail in my No Man's Sky coffin. <laughs> as soon as I started playing Overwatch, yeah. I was like, "Why well, have I been wasting my time <laughs> mining? This doesn't make any sense." Um, tell me about Recall real quick. I want I want to get into some Recall because that game has a uh, like a is apparently very has a troubled launch. I think it's fun. Like, I haven't got very far in because I just picked. It's only been out for like three days. And I've, as I said I, earlier in the episode, I've been real busy. Um, uh, so I only played maybe a, I played through just to see how it felt, and then I thought I want to do like a, a playthrough with this, and Odin can jump in from time to time. And so I, I restarted. So I've only done maybe the first hour. Um, I, I really like it. Um, it's a simple game. Um, I think it's great that they didn't charge full retail. Um, they, they recognize that it's not as it's not a triple A game, so don't charge away prices. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I the gameplay's simple. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have it as a style. I haven't played much. The, uh, Cliff said I'll wait until we get in game because that's apparently what people are saying is awful. Yeah, the the video that I but, saw of the loading times was like worse. The loading times are ridiculous. Yeah, like it's yeah. like Ugh. every time this dude died, it was like I think it was a solid two minute loading time to get back into the game, which was just insanity to me like why would you ever let why would microsoft certify that like come on microsoft what are you doing um the the areas are quite big but there isn't they're quite simple so i don't know why they're they're that bad but to hate a game for just for that reason um i I don't know i'm not gonna hate on it for that um i haven't really died yet so i haven't had to face the loading screens that often um but yeah, I, I think the gameplay is fun. It's it's not it's not trying to be too much of a, a shooter. Like it's it's almost feels like a two D kind of platformer in a three D space. So it's really the, the shooting's really assisted. Like it will, will auto target quite easily, um, and it's just fun blasting things. Like I, yeah, again, I've only really done the tutorial dungeon area, but I thought it was fun. Um, Max, awesome the little robot dog. I really want a little Max statue now. Um, yeah, and looking forward to playing more. Like I, I just, I really thought I really enjoyed it. Cool. And the world's quite fascinating. Um, yeah, we- and I'm curious to get to the end and see if there is actually any reason to hate it, like people are saying. But I just think the internet's going to be the internet and going to hate everything. Well, I've yeah. seen some like like listening to or uh, not listening, but uh, reading some tweets from some some reviewers of having like severe technical issues, like like pretty bad problems. Not not just like problems with like oh this kind of sucks, but like I am stuck in this world and can't go anywhere. And when I reload it two minutes later, I'm still stuck in this world and can't go anywhere. So oh, okay, it sucks. Yeah. But I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't played it either. This is just going by people's tweets. So yeah. So far, I've, it's played really well. It's really smooth. Uh, the gameplay mechanics, the simple starting mechanics are fantastic. They're a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I don't, I, yeah, but it's to say I'm not that far into it. I haven't unlocked any anything new, really. Um, so it may get worse. But maybe it's patched now, maybe. And it was just the, the pre-build, the pre-release build was slightly glitchy. So hopefully it's fixed by the time I get there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do we have any more games that we want to talk about before we get out of here to the to the main? Um, I've, I've also, just quickly, I've also started Deus Ex. Um, oh yeah, cool. I've heard um, this is the uh, apartment the apartment robbing simulator that everybody was looking for. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can just break into people's places. Like there was like an era. I was in my start in my apartment, and, and 
uh, maybe like an hour or so into the game, hour and a half, and like I, I leave and then it's like, I wasn't expecting it to be like an open world or kind of a little sandbox kind of game. I was expecting it to be more uh, level-based. Um, maybe it's because I haven't played the previous one and I'm just an idiot. Oh, okay. But uh, <laughs> It's Vanguard, Simulator, dude. I love the original Deus Ex. It's so good. Um, yeah, I went to go play it, but then I think my brother said, oh, it, you know, it's it's good, but, you know, this, it's got its problems. And so I just never bothered picking it up. I just never got around to it. Um, kind of regretting that a little bit. But it, it's good. It plays well. Uh, it's I kind of stuffed up a little bit though, so it's kind of a bit hard. Like because the first two tu- level, which is the tutorial level, I guess, you have some pretty sweet abilities, your augmented abilities, and then something happens, and you, um, you got to kind of go get fixed up a little bit from a um, black market kind of augmented rea- augmented um, surgeon dude, which is real creepy, and you find out that you've got these hidden augment uh, augments in your body and it's shutting you down. So you've got to kind of refix yourself a little bit anyway. And so you can reallocate points. Like at that point you can allocate your points to your different, uh, or, um, augmentations. Uh, you can customize your character. And I was like, great, man, I've got 10 points. Sweet. I'll just chuck them in this. I'll make myself super strong and do this. And, and then I didn't realize that it had taken away all my other augments that the game starts you with. <laughs> so I, I should have put points into the ones the basic ones because they'd been taken away from me, which I thought I still had. Um, oh, and so okay. now I, I can't. They met, they, 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 they samused you is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So I took them yeah. away. They gave me the points to reallocate to them. Um, and so I went like all strength and all like, like hit point or whatever it was. I can't remember now. Um, and I just didn't do like the invisibility or the quiet walking, which because I already was using them. So I just assumed that I had them. I didn't look close enough <laughs> to where the best way was to go through like a poisonous gas kind of room. And I went to go through it and I died. I'm like, why did I die? I could do it before in the demo. And I realized I didn't have the lung expansion um, now. And yeah, and then I can't go invisible. I couldn't go invisible. So I had to kind of grind for a little bit and try and get some experience points to to get some of those basics that I should have started with. <laughs> so I kind of stuffed myself up, but, uh, um, and all it's, it, it, it works well. The stealth mechanic works quite well. You, you can sneak through and if you feel like real badass that you snuck through like at least 10 guards like, and you're like, yeah, you stupid guards. Um, yeah, it's good. Good deal. Have you guys played? Yeah. No, Carl, have you played it or it'll be my, it'll, it's, I, it's in I, my queue. I'm going to rent it at some point to check it out, but I haven't, yeah. um, I haven't looked at it yet. I played the original and I played Mankind Divided. Um, the original was one of my adolescent growing up, like coming of age, defining games. Uh, so it's a really, back then it was pretty notorious for being as open-ended and as, as the choices had consequences and stuff like that. It was, it was one of those first kind of games like that um, that gave you those, those open-ended player choice sort of tools. Um, I have not, I, I liked, um, what was it? Was it? Did I say Mankind Divided or Human Revolution? That, that Human was the Revolution. one I played. Yeah, yeah I want the previous one to this. Uh, I have heard that Mankind Divided has um, single player microtransactions, so you can basically pay your way through the levels if you don't feel like playing the game for whatever reason. Uh, yes, there are some microtransactions. If it if it hits a Dead Space three st- like like wall <laughs> where you, you have to pay to basically become powerful enough to progress, I, I'll never touch it. But I haven't heard, quite heard that. I feel like it would it would be a bigger stir. But I know that those microtransactions do exist where you can directly pay for power, and that's a, a very slippery slope in my opinion. Yes, um, 
Jim Sterling also t- t- discussed this one as well because this is one of, he said it's his one of his favorite maybe game of the year contender, but he won't put it in that list because it's got the microtransactions. Yeah. Um. Yes. Uh. Yeah. I haven't I haven't found them interfere with the game yet. I've not even noticed where to go buy those. Um. So it's it's not it's not right in your face like some other games have been. Yeah. Um. I had no idea what's going on. Like I had to bug my own kind of office and I don't know why I was doing that. <laughs> um, it was like okay. the first mission I met this lady and she's like, and then now I'm putting like a, like a chip in a, the server of the organization I work for. And I didn't know why. <laughs> so I must've missed something. I don't know. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's, 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 but there's the side, the side missions are pretty cool. Like, like you can go do stuff that you don't have to do, uh, but it seems to fit into kind of the, the world. Oh, this one thing I want to say about the game. It, it very gamey city that if we start in, like it's a very game type city. Like it's really restricted. Like you've got walls that you only can go down. A, it's a very small few blocks that you can kind of play in. So which is, yeah. but the world itself is, the done well to kind of make it feel quite lived and realistic. Like I went into the subway and like there's people waiting at the subway and I ended up standing there. And I was just kind of waiting. I was just ex- I expected the train to turn up, and I, was, I waited for like thirty seconds to a minute, just kind of like, I wonder when this train's going to turn up. And I was like, Will it turn up? And I walk forward, and there's a map, and you just select the train station you want to go to on the map, and, and it, then it loads the train coming. <laughs> but I actually wow. that I should wait for the train <laughs> by just walking in there. And I felt, I felt a bit silly, but I kind of thought that was cool that it made me feel that way. That there's people waiting, the the characters in this world are, are waiting. That I should wait too, which is wrong. But I think that's that's a good uh, level design uh, and kind of shows that they've done a good job creating this world. Um, I just thought that was important. Yeah, a fun thing to note. <laughs> yeah, it's good. We should also point out that uh, aforementioned Stephen of the unpronounceable last name has a review of <laughs> darkinsight.net. It said, uh, go to there, go to the blog, and scroll down a little bit. And he, did, he had written a review a couple of weeks ago about it. So thank you, Stephen. Yes, he's very cool. Kyle, do you want to yeah, talk about any more playing. games, or is that all you've been playing lately? Uh, that's basically all I've been playing. Uh, okay. Just kind of sticking with the classics. Yeah, I, uh, I put a little bit more time into uh, Alone With You, or I Am Alone. Um, the the kind of it's almost visual novel adventure game on PS4 that I was playing last episode, and that still remains very good. So definitely go check that out. But really, it was pretty much just an Overwatch couple of weeks. <laughs> well what do you say we uh do you want to take a quick break and then get into the main topic yep sounds good okay uh, and we'll be right back in a time of global crisis an international task force of heroes banded together to restore peace to a war-torn world this organization known as overwatch ended the crisis and helped maintain peace for generations Inspiring an era of exploration, innovation, and discovery. After many years, Overwatch's influence waned and was eventually disbanded. Now, in the wake of its dismantling, conflict is rising once again. Overwatch may be gone, but the world still needs heroes. Yo, the world is crumbling apart, piece by piece. That's the rain worldwide. It's like the spreading disease, calamity and chaos run rampant. As a community, can no longer stand it. 
people watching must be recalled from the ashes. Reassemble and come up with some new tactics. It's a war zone, and we need a glimmer of hope. Heroes who can administer a healing antidote. Heroes who can fight side by side. Endure all hardships during this ride. Secure a payload. Defend an objective. Send in the battle and still be selective. Of the measures needed to win a match. Roll with the punches, be willing to adapt. Know the map, but thoroughly know the enemy. Keep a cool mind, but prepare for savagery. And we're back. And this is going to lead us into the kind of the topic that we wanted to talk about, as well as a bunch of listener questions and responses. Um, so, so Kyle, it was kind of, when I asked you to come on, it wasn't specifically because of this. Um, it was because um, Cliff had abandoned us in our time of need, and I was just desperate to fill his spot. But <laughs> um, uh, this kind of worked out because you've been going through some changes in, uh, in your online life, for lack of a better phrase. Um, can you kind of kind of walk us through some of the stuff that you've been dealing with? Uh, sure. So um, I have been a Halo YouTuber since uh, about the middle release of Halo 4, so several, several years now, uh, through three game releases. Uh, and, but long-time Halo fan, I mean, I've, I've played Halo since uh, CE on the original Xbox, uh, even you know playing split-screen and land stuff and with friends in high school. Um, but I really enjoyed the series, let's just put it that way. So I I, I mean, we're talking a video a week, hundreds of videos over a long period of time. Um, and Bungie obviously uh, broke free of the Halo series, uh, decided they didn't want to do it anymore. They wanted to do something different. They didn't want to be tethered to Microsoft. So Microsoft created their own subsidiary, 343 Industries, to control the future of Halo going forward. Um, and there have been a lot of missteps and mishandlings of the franchise since 343 has taken over. Um, they started off initially on a good tilt. Uh, they, they fixed some issues with Halo Reach that a lot of people had. Uh, but, releasing, but with the release of Halo 4, and even though I played pretty pretty uh, loyally and, and had a YouTube channel based around it, Halo 4 had um, a lot of things that broke away from what made Halo Halo. So originally Halo was just, you know, and, and this worked for the better part of a decade, was just... Um, you know, two teams, equal starts. Everyone has the same loadout. Everyone has the same abilities. It's it's basically your skill that differentiates you from other players. Power weapons are found on the map. They drop it at certain points in the match. Uh, they're on timers, and it's it's all very equal footing. Um, and with Halo Four, they had like armor abilities. Uh, power weapons dropped randomly in different spots on the map. It was basically them flipping everything around uh, and making. Halo into Call of Duty. Uh, it was really poorly received, um, but I still stuck by it. You know, I still stuck by the franchise. I had hope for the franchise. Uh, the Master Chief Collection re- released, which was a collection of all of the Halo games, the classic Halo games, uh, which a lot of people were looking forward to, myself included. I mean, it, it was the entire package, uh, CE, Halo 2, Halo 3, uh, and Halo 4 to all together. You could play any of those games in multiplayer, and they they were touted as being exactly as they shipped day, which is awesome uh, because Halo Combat Evolved, no one had ever played uh, online really mm-hmm. um, until that point. So it was the first time that was available. Uh, it did not work at launch at all. Matchmaking was totally busted. Uh, and we're talking for months and months. This was the worst launch of a multiplayer game I've ever seen. Uh, and then I think it maybe is one of the worst in gaming history. 
Um, I basically spent the first six months of that game just trying to play it with and just sitting in a, at a never-ending loading screen uh, <laughs> waiting to find matches with people. I mean, we're talking about a AAA game release. You know, we're talking about a Microsoft studio that, that releases a, a full-priced game collection that you can't matchmake with people in. Um so it was, it was bad. It was really bad. Like a lot of my friends quit YouTube, but I still stuck by it. I still played the game. Uh, I still uh, had faith that the franchise could turn itself around. You know, I still had a lot of love for the mechanics and a lot of uh, roots in the community. Um, so that was a bummer. But uh, here comes Halo 5. They have a beta for it. Uh, we all get to play the beta. And they say that no Halo game release without a beta from then on. Okay. Um, the is game releases like in the community. Yeah. Like, is that something that's pretty important? Is to be able to have that beta access? I know most companies do it nowadays, but it always more feels like a demo than an actual beta. Yeah. So the Halo Five beta released uh, very early on in development, about six months before the game. Maybe even no, it was longer than that. It was maybe eight months to a year before uh, before the final release of the game. Um, I think it was like in January or so that the beta came out, and it wasn't until. November that the final game released. Um, it's a big deal because a lot of people have a lot of strong opinions about how the mechanics of Halo should be played. Uh, a lot of people wanted it to go back to that even starts. A lot of people had some issues with some of the things they were putting into the game. And it was just a chance for people to put their feedback in and for hopefully the community to be heard about some of these issues and some of these major, major changes that get made to Halo every game. Uh, that's another thing that I've never really hit on, or I didn't hit on as strongly, is that with every release of Halo... The game changed sort of fundamentally. Uh, they added things like Sprint, which was never in the original three Halo games. They added like thrusters and, and 3D movement and all of these things that make Halo play fundamentally different than Halo did before. It's like, it would be like if they took, like the, everybody got super pissed about Poise and Dark Souls. It would be like if they like, if they took... Have you seen the Dark if they Souls added, like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like, everybody got super pissed about poise. Now, like, magnify that. Like, I can't even quantify how much they've changed Halo iteration to iteration with how much they've changed Halo from iteration to iteration. It would be like if they, uh, if they gave you, like, unlimited dash, you know, unlimited fast rolling, and, like, every character could fast roll. It didn't matter if you had fat armor on or not. Like, it would be something like that. Like, something, like, mind-bogglingly different with every franchise installment. Uh, so Halo 5 comes out, we do get a beta, it sounds all good. Uh, when the final game releases, it has microtransactions. And now originally I thought these microtransactions were going to be cosmetic only, which we kind of talked about before. Like, it sucks to have cosmetic microtransactions in a, in a game um, that's a full-price release. Uh, that sucks. I, but if they're cosmetic only, it's not affecting my gameplay. It's not affecting, like, the even arena starts that I've always loved in Halo. Um, but... Uh, Halo 5 releases, it's got this mode called Warzone. Warzone grows to be the most popular mode in Halo 5. It's the most popular mode, by far the most populated. Every, like, lots of people are playing it. Uh, it's a really casual mode. It's basically revolves around this, this like, gold pack system. So you can, with in-game currency, purchase these packs that give you weapons, and you can load out with those weapons at certain points in the match. Um, super casual, but it's whatever, you know, because it it's just supposed to be that fun mode where everybody can kind of go screw around. The problem is you can buy those packs individually with real-world money. Um, so two or three ninety nine, four ninety nine, and you can get a gold pack. 
that gives you a certain selection of weapons, skins, emblems, all that stuff. Uh, it's hidden under a layer of RNG, which is, it sucks, but it's something I guess I can live with. Mm-hmm. Uh, just recently, Warzone is still the most popular mode, but, but they sold this thing called the Prophet's Bane, which is a, a legendary power weapon in Warzone. It's a sword that has super far lunge range, lets you turn invisible. It's super powerful. And they sell that outright. Uh, you can buy a pack of 12 of them for $9.99. And it's like, <laughs> it is the most egregious uh, abuse of microtransactions I've ever seen in, in, in a game. It is straight up selling power and advantage in a first person shooter in the most populated playlist in that first person shooter under the banner of a huge gaming company like Microsoft. And I I don't know why no one seems to be more upset about it than I am. Maybe I'm just like one of those first person shooter Dorito and and Mountain Dew nerds that gets (laughs) upset about this stuff. But that seems so egregious and invasive to me that, that in my favorite franchise, they sell power in the most populated playlist of that franchise. Uh, so as a result, I've closed up my YouTube channel. I, I'm, I'm just a gamer now, you know, like I, I, I'm no longer involved in that community. I, I've uninstalled Halo 5. I don't think I'll ever play it again. And, and I've put years of my life and time into it. Um, that's my story. <laughs> <laughs> well, Feelings. That's, I'm, I'm sorry just, that it's come to that. And that, yeah, yeah that sucks. That's, that's a disappointment. Like, um, like if they had if they sold like PvP stuff in Dark Souls like as like oh hey you know you can buy this plus ten item like I guess even that wouldn't be that bad like it's just it'd be just to be a shortcut but it wouldn't be actually overpowering from other people so I don't I, I would think that was kind of garbage but like I don't really think it compares I'm not sure what the, how the like I've never had a game do that to me where like I was playing it and so, was like yeah that's that's sucks. so it'd be like. It'd be like, all right, so what's the most powerful in, in, the, in the PvP meta of Dark Souls, right? It would be like the pre-patched Dark Sword. Like, they sell, they sell you the pre-patched Dark Sword for not, for nine ninety nine or whatever like that. And everyone else's opportunity to get that pre-patched Dark Sword is hidden under a layer of RNG. Yeah, where they have to just specifically grind this one enemy and hope for, hope for a drop, maybe one day. Yeah, and hope it drops. It, like, like, if it had the drop rate of, like, a Pale Tongue or something like that. Yeah, like, it'd be yeah. something like that. And that's not even really hitting it as hard as it is. Um, it sounds it, like it'd be almost an Overwatch getting having to pay. You could pay to to get your um, ultimates um, drop. Like you could, sure. you could pay ten yeah. bucks to yeah. get ten uses of your ultimates, and you could use them in a row. Like yeah. you could use them whenever. I mean, it, getting a profit Bane, you still have to wait a certain amount in the match to use it. But a good player using it is going to be able to just wreak havoc on another team. It's. It, it's just it's so disappointing that it's come to this, and I think that it's it's because of um, sort of small periods of iteration where microtransactions have been incorporated into the ecosystem of gaming, and they've been slowly and slowly incorporated, and people push back at them, but they still, you know, they'll kind of reel back. And there's been a huge backlash against this, but there's also been a lot of people that are like, well, I don't play Warzone, so I don't care, and it's like, no, you don't understand. The larger issue is that this would have been unheard of not even three years ago for a first person shooter of this magnitude to sell power in its most populated playlist. This is what I was trying to say earlier, how we used um, with overwatch, like even overwatch is just um, cosmetic that still would have been completely, people would have just lost their, 
lost their minds over that three years ago, three, four years ago, but yes. it's we've been accustomed, we've been accustomed to it now in the games. And so it, we just accept it as and a, it, and as a whole. Yeah. It's kind of got me to look around at the, the environment of gaming that I'm, I put myself into and the, the things surrounding me. And I, I've seen, you know, like a Deus Ex game where you can pay to level up your character. Like what, you can pay to skip playing Deus Ex. That makes no sense. <laughs> like, but why you can would you, do it. You know, why would you buy the game if you didn't want to play it? Like that's what all, that always comes down to me. Like, like, why would you buy a game and then be like, "Well, I just want to skip right through it." I've never understood that whatsoever. I can understand wanting yeah. it to be easy. Like, I, I don't want to. I don't want it to be as much of a skill challenge. Like those those kind of game. Some games have come out that have been like, "Hey, I just want to watch the story." Like, I think Last of Us was the game that did that the most. Like, I just want to kind of be guided through the combat experiences. I just want to experience the story. Totally get that. But if you made that five ninety nine, I'd be like, "What the fuck is your? Pro- what are you doing? That's ridiculous." Yeah, but they've, these microtransactions and the way that publishers are recouping the money that they put into these huge AAA games has become like so invasive and so by degrees more uh, detrimental to other people's playing experiences too. I mean, we're not even talking about like this power open thing with Halo. Yeah, you don't have to do it. You can you can spend money on gold packs. You can even buy that pack with in-game currency, which would take it's like a hundred thousand. Uh, points or whatever, which would take a long time for your average player. Uh, it's it's aimed at people that have disposable income, but at the same time, those people are getting that item so easily that's at the detriment of other people who don't feel the need to participate in that. You know what I mean? It changes the entirety of the meta of that game. Sure. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not a huge Halo person. The only first time I've owned Halo was this year. When I bought my Xbox, I got Halo Master Chief and Halo 5, and I can't stand Warzone. Um, like, <laughs> yeah, the direct pack system is just disgusting. I find like like we played a match and we there was I managed to play with there's probably about eight of us that we that were, were all on chat together and we just got destroyed because within seconds within it seemed the other team had tanks and things that just I had no access to because yeah. I didn't have all the rec packs. <laughs> and this is the only um, casual mode in, in in Halo Five. I mean, Halo Five is predominantly like the. It's either Warzone or Arena, and Arena is super hardcore, 44, ranked. Uh, it's all those things that I described before, uh, but it's got a much smaller population, and you're probably going to get your shit pushed in if you play <laughs> Arena as a yeah. new player. So new players play Warzone, and in Warzone, you're at a clear disadvantage unless you start cranking out money uh, to get these yep. rec packs and to start unlocking these things and getting certifications so you start getting them through the in-game currency. Um, it's super invasive, man. It's really bad. Yeah. Funny story. I got a friend who uh, his son um, logged onto his Xbox account and bought all of the rec packs, like six hundred dollars US dollars worth. Really? And so he he had access to everything. Um, he cared cards coming out of the wazoo, but um, I think he some of it was on because he had used his um, his work credit card. On, on the on the Microsoft Store and so it saved it and so it's on his work card as well so he got in trouble at work. Uh, <laughs> I think wow. Xbox refunded some of it but not all of it. Like yeah, it was it's pretty pretty bad. Um, and Halo is yeah. not the is not the only shooter that does this. I mean Black Ops Three and Advanced Warfare both had uh, supply drops which are very similar. It's like a, a cards type situation where you you know you you unlock a pack of cards it gives you a random thing uh, but the 
But with those games, you get super powerful loadout weapons that you have permanent access to anytime you want. They give you a clear advantage over other players. I mean, they're, they're more powerful versions of the, the loadout weapons you have in the game normally. Um, First-person shooters and sports games are the two uh, most aggressive of this sort of style of microtransactions. Sports games are really bad, and I don't play them, so I don't, I don't, I'm not experienced to it normally. But it's a, it's a very uh, (laughs) rich get richer situation, so to speak. Yeah, Yeah, I've heard that about sports games. Like you always hear about, like uh, people like the weird gray black market that exists with FIFA cards, right? Like all of that kind yeah. of craziness that seems like it just is, only exists to get people's accounts hacked. Like that seems to be the only purpose that this game serves. <laughs> yeah. So I, I don't really, I had no, I, I didn't really know what to do about it except to just call it a day, you know, to just retire myself from that. And, and sort of, I, I've, I've spent a lot of my time kind of finding my roots in gaming again and finding uh, games that I can play that I enjoy that, that have that like 30 seconds of fun hook that uh, a lot simpler and a lot less monetized. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> um, I mean, I can get hours of fun out of, out of, like I said, super Metroid or link to the past. And I, I paid a, a grand total of $12 for both of those games. Yeah. And they will, they'll always be there. Like, it's not like they're, that, that game is evolving at all. Like you can, you can just literally play that game anytime you want to and have the same experience every single time. Exactly. Yeah, Vader. Have you ever been left behind of a like with a game developer or a community before? I think I thought of something earlier, but not. Well, I guess I left the Destiny uh, game, mm-hmm. but not. That, but I've come back. Uh, but nothing too serious. Um, nah. No, no, nothing. Nothing to the magnitude of of of, of this. <laughs> 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 Did you? Uh, yeah, no, not really. I haven't been on YouTube a lot, a lot recently. Did you literally close your YouTube account? Like, do you not have it anymore, or did you just kind of leave it there and as like leave all your videos up, but you're just not doing any more content? No, all my my, my all my videos are up, and my and there's there's some that I'm pretty proud of. You know, even some that are not Halo related that I'm very proud of uh, that I wanted to leave up just for posterity's sake. If I want to look at them later or something like that, but uh, there won't be any more videos. Uh, there won't be. Yeah, just. It is what it is. Hey, yeah. I really liked, I mean, uh, I watched some of your Halo stuff, but I mean, just because I was curious about it um, and, and liked your Halo stuff, but like your, your non-Halo stuff was always what I liked. Like the, the, the Hyperlight Drifter thing that you did, a video that you did with, that was pretty cool. And everyone should go check Thanks, that man. out on your channel. So we also, uh, this, I don't, I was trying to sit here thinking about if this ever happened to me and like, I'm, I'm a weird dude because like most of my multiplayer stuff is all souls related. Like my first big multiplayer game was probably dark souls, which is like a, the dumbest thing in the world. But like, I just never got into <laughs> uh, like online stuff. And then like, I, I remember playing mass effect three and uh, like their multiplayer mode and just kind of checking it out and actually kind of getting into it quite a bit. Like, I think that, I think that multiplayer mode is, is really, really underrated. It's a lot of fun. And then being like presented with this option of like paying a bunch of money, like putting money into this game that I had rented, and I was like, "This just feels icky. Like it just feels gross." And I, yeah, I, I have this like thing where most marketing is disgusting. Like it's just a super gross thing that, that mm-hmm. companies have to do to sell stuff. Like marketing is a thing that like I guess you have to do just to sell art, and I, I don't. I don't know, man. Like sometimes I just feel like the art should be able to stand for its own, stand on its own. But then you realize, like, 
there's so much of it out there. Like, how could you possibly get it to people that you want to see? But man, like, I don't know, you're playing a video game and you're just having fun with your buds. And all of a sudden there's like a, do you want to pay four ninety nine for this thing? And you're like, eh, no, I'm just having a good time. Why are you asking me for money right now? Like, I, f- I feel really, really gross when games started doing that, especially on top of a $60 price tag, which is already pretty hefty. And, and I think this goes back to our conversation earlier of like, you know, the constant like uprising of games throughout the, the consoles, you know. It, they're 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 having to do this because it costs so much money to make these AAA games, almost entirely because of the graphics. And I'm like, you know what? I mean, maybe 1080p is fine for us for a few years. Maybe we can just hang out here. Yep. Not everyone's going to rush out and buy TVs. Let's just hang. Let's see what we can do with what we got. Yeah, I I quit um, Dragon Age soon after. Like I played that and I got to you get to like the campsite and you go talk to like this dwarf or. I can't remember who it was. We talked to them and they tell you about this adventure that you can go on to get some like rare weapons and stuff. I'm like, sweet, let's go. And it's like, log into the PSN and download a pay for the expansion. Like, what? Like, why? Like, that's when it's too far for me when a character in the game is (laughs) sending me to the PSN store. I'm just appalled. I I will not play a game that does that. Like, it just drives me mental. Um, Like, yeah, have it in a menu, have it a, 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 a store option in the menu in the main menu when you load up the game but don't have a ca- NPC character tell me about an expansion uh, that's just yeah I find that appalling <laughs> even it, it even in a way uh, Dark Souls 3 a lot of people were all, all the war sort of suppositions and stuff are all converging now and we're kind of getting a solid look that it doesn't look like it's a finished game uh, narrative wise until we get some DLC for it which is again another paid uh, aspect of the game and I think that that's pretty disappointing in itself because FromSoft was always, you know, like Dark Souls was a complete game and the DLCs were just like the extra awesome icing on top of the cake. And they've always been great. I'm sure the, the Dark Souls 3 DLC will, will be great, but for it to, for Dark Souls 3 to not feel like a finished game unless it has DLC is very disappointing in my opinion. If you look at it in a larger picture. True. Uh, yeah, I can understand it. Um, Maybe I'm more forgiving because I like Dark Souls a lot. <laughs> well, and I, I, I mean, I loved it. There, there's something also about it. Like, um, like it, it's the, – you love Dark Souls a lot, but, like, I don't – like, just listening to Kyle talk, I don't think either one of us loved Dark Souls as much as that dude loved Halo. <laughs> <That's true>. <laughs> <laughs> like, it sounds like that dude got betrayed over years and is – you know, yeah. DLC packs have become normalized, and I don't mind paying – $20 for eight hours worth of content, a bunch of new weapons. But like, if you're going to aggressively monetize your game to the point where you're buying, you know what? It's not, I don't really think that it's DLC packs. I don't think that it's content. It's got to be these consumable bullshit. Like uh, you mentioned earlier with the apps, like the free to play apps with the mm-hmm. energy and the coins and all that bullshit. Like there've been several iOS games that I've opened up and like played for a little bit and thought, wow, I'm having a really good time. And then realized there was like eight currencies around it. And I was like, Oh, I don't ever want to play this again. So I just yeah. d- deleted it and get rid of it. Like anytime that you start to, like you're paying for digital nothingness, I have it. I have a big issue with that. I just don't feel like you're, I feel, I feel it makes me feel like a shitty person for doing it. <laughs> I don't, I, I don't, well, that mobile, that mobile mentality is invaded mm-hmm. console gaming. You know, that's, that's exactly what, what that's essentially, what I'm describing in Halo, yeah, is essentially no different than Angry Birds or something like that. You know, I played Angry Birds for a while, and I was like, wow, this is fun. It feels really cool. And then, you know, you realize some courses are almost impossible unless you pay for some of the special items and stuff like that. I mean, or 
or conceivably almost impossible, you're at a disadvantage. It's it's sort of the same principle, and that's what's so so troubling about it is that that mobile mentality, people in AAA gaming developing and producing these games have seen that happen and seen it be so successful in the mobile market, and now they're like, well, why the hell not? You know, like, who's going to stop us? Yeah, who's going to, like, they're, you know, because nobody really seems to care, and worse there seems to be a significant portion of the market out there that doesn't have any problems paying for it. That just, that this is what they, yep. Oh sure. Yeah, I'll buy it. Whatever. Like, and I don't, I don't get that mentality either. Like I don't get the guy that, or the girl that's on the couch and like sees the hundred dollars with a football, whatever that they see. and like, Oh yeah, that's a good deal. I'm going to spend a hundred dollars of my, t- of, of my hard earned money on that. Like I, I don't get that at all. So. Yeah. Was that, so that's why I don't have a problem with dark souls three, not this year being a complete narrative because it's still a complete game. Whereas with Dragon Age, the example there, that was from like the, the vanilla game had that in there as expansions. Whereas I'm okay with a developer holding some of their cards back to create a, a, a long to uh, like a, a better content in the future, but to actually make the game cut bits out then sell it back to you. I, that's where I have it. And then tell you about it in the game. That's where I have issues. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I can see what people are coming from with Dark Souls it does seem Dark Souls 3 it does seem like there's some stuff held back whereas it's still a complete game there's more so than other games that, that do the, the, the DLC I've never actually bought a DLC other than a Dark Souls or Bloodborne I've never once bought any other DLC um, That that's what that's where I'm coming from with the Dark Souls 3 thing is that I've always held those games to a higher standard than that yeah, that's why sure. it's it's a little bit disappointing. Yeah. Like I, I love Dark Souls three. I played through it four freaking times. You know, and nice. <laughs> had a blast every time. Uh, but I've I've held them to such a high standard because their DLCs yep. in the past have been such self contained, awesome. You know, that it's almost like their own mini Dark Souls game. Yeah, uh, like so something like Artorias or something like that. And they've always been so so top notch. Uh, on top of a game that's already top notch, you know. The only thing that concerns me with the Dark Souls 3 DLC is that this is the, this is the first game where they have um, pre-announced it. In other words, there was DLC that they they knew was coming before the game was released. Like, even with Dark Souls 2, they released it, and then a couple months later, they were like, you can buy a season pass for our three packs of DLC, which obviously had to be planned, but it wasn't it wasn't before the game was released. Whereas this one is like, hey, yeah, we're going to do two packs. Go ahead and buy the special edition with the the cereal, the, 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 all that stuff. So that's, that's yeah, the only thing that gives yeah. me pause about it. Um, but I'm I'm willing to give yeah. from enough credit, enough slack to be like, yeah, they probably yes. didn't remove anything from the game. And and like Vader says, like Dark Souls Three feels like a complete game as it is, even with like weird lore stuff missing. So and Dark Souls Two also. I mean, those DLCs existed as direct reactions to how yeah. Dark Souls 2 Vanilla was was created, you know, Absolutely. like to how it was yeah. perceived and how it was delivered. And and it was those DLCs were obviously created after the fact in reaction to fan feedback. The the heartbreaking thing about the, that those Dark Souls 2 DLCs is that you clearly see the game that they were trying to make, but they just didn't have enough time to because halfway through of that halfway through that development, they had to basically restart. So you you know they were rushing that game to get it to where it was, which is Dark Souls 2 Vanilla. And then you actually see, like, given the time and, you know, given a, given basically time, that's really it. Like, just here's some more time to, to build this game. You see what they could have done with it. And not that Dark yeah. Souls 2 is, I mean, I hate, to, I hate to bag on game. Dark Souls 2 so much. Like, I feel like that's the <laughs> redheaded stepchild of the Dark Souls games. But, 
Um, like it's not a bad game in itself. It's just it just it is very much a product of being rushed to market. So that you can't really. I mean, it's just going to have. It's just not going to be as good at that point. But um, yeah. Let's get into some of our listener feedback because I put I put this question out on Twitter uh, and I'm and we got some some good and some very lengthy responses back. Um, I want to take the first. Well, first I'll read the question that I, sh- I, th- I threw out there to see if you guys are to make sure everyone understands. Um, I asked uh, this week we'd like to hear your thoughts on giving up a, on a game or a specific game community. What are your experiences? Has a game developer changed a game and made it so bad you quit playing? Has a game community been so toxic you gave it up? Let us know. And I had about 18 typos in that, so I'm sorry, Twitter people. That's that's all me. Uh, the very very first comment we got back is from somebody named uh, Clifford Goldsmith at Cliff underscore Goldsmith. I don't really I don't really recognize that name. It must be a new listener. No, no. Um, he said, "For me, it was leaving the Dark Insight podcast. Is all these hosts suck super bad, and I hate them all." So uh, I guess wow. I guess we can just. Uh, I guess we gotta shut this podcast down, fellas. We're 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 done. This is the last. We're gonna end it on episode thirty, so it's a good round number to end it on. <laughs> yeah. Good old Cliff. Good old Cliff. Hope you a good holiday, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, Jake Lionheart. Uh, for me, it was Watch Dogs. I just didn't feel compelled to finish it. The character's story was bland, and the game got boring. Sure. They haven't played it. Yeah, I, never, I haven't got around to playing it either. <laughs> I, I, heard, I heard those things. I heard that it wasn't what, they, what people were expecting. It just nearly touched it. In oh, fact, it's terrible. Yeah, I've, I've heard I, fact, bad things. So. Yeah, I was, was given garbage. a copy. I was given a copy of a friend. And I, um, well, when I went to Australia in the year, I went to visit my mate. And he had a copy. And he's like, I'm done with it. You take it. And I brought it back, back home. And I had it. I could have put it in. But just could not be bothered, so I sold it and got like fifteen dollars for it. Nice. <laughs> you made the right decision. <laughs> I just uh, I had the chance, to, but I didn't. I want to give a quick shout out, by the way. Um, Jake wrote and uh, produced a rap for my other podcast. Don't give up skeleton. <laughs> Like it's a, oh yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> it's it's a it's a whole video. Uh, go to, go to his YouTube. I'll try to remember to put it in the show notes. Uh, but go to his YouTube. You can find it out. You can look at it there. Like it's it's basically the first section. Like it's him getting to Firelink Shrine. Um, and it he he used some music from like because uh, we both have a lot of music in common. Like from two of our favorite artists and remixed it and wrote this rap and it is fantastic and amazing. So props to you, Jake. And yeah. also, since we talked about yeah. Overwatch so much, he does like a series of Overwatch raps, which is, I haven't had a chance yeah, like to listen too. to yet, which I'm sure are very good. So he he did one with with Joe um, from Chomp Chain yeah. uh, about Hanzo, I believe, and that was yeah, it was really good. Actually, that him his raps about Overwatch made me want to actually play the game more than actually. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. I'm serious. I'm serious. Like, That's when amazing. I heard that Hanzo one, I was like, "Yeah, this sounds actually cool." <laughs> Whereas the marketing itself, I wasn't fussed on. Anyway, Kyle, you want to take the next uh, one? Oh, sure. Sorry, I haven't scrolled down. Um. What would you like to see FromSoft do next? Personally, <laughs> uh, elusive man, not elusive man. Yeah. Uh, what would you like to see FromSoft do next? Personally, something I would like to see is Dark Souls and Spirit, but a fresh setting or even a different game, an action game, though still, but not necessarily another RPG. Yeah, I'm with that. I mean, there's this is a question. Yeah, it's not really. I mean, it's unrelated to our question. I think he was just 
you know, asking us a random question, which is fine. We don't, we don't mind that elusive man. We love answering Dark Souls questions. Uh, I don't know. Like I, any, I, I've mentioned this several times, but just like anything that From wants to put out, I'll, I'll, I'll try. Like I tried that uh, dumb Connect game that they put out, so I'll probably try anything else. <laughs> I don't know if you guys played that, but that was dog shit. Connect um, game? What was it? Uh, what was? I never remember the name. Oh, Steel Battalion. Oh, Steel, Steel. Yeah, I had hopes for that because the original Steel Battalion was mental, and yeah, using. Yeah. Connect that was the uh, the original one for the Xbox is the one that had like the giant controller with a three hundred buttons on it, and then they did a Connect one. You don't you you've never you never heard of this game? Google I guess Steel not. Battalion. I don't. It's like a Google uh, Steel Battalion controller. Yeah, yeah. Go, okay. go Google that up real quick and, and then get back to us. But yeah, it's a it's like a tank controlling game basically, and uh, it. it, it like the gimmick of the first game on the original Xbox was like you had to go through like a startup procedure or you would just blow up in the in the tank. Like you had to go through all the proper procedures, and you had to like flip the buttons in the right order and the whole nine. Uh, and then they what turned the it- shit. It, it was like you're playing <laughs> Top Gun or something. It's ridiculous. <laughs> How much did this game cost? It was like, like I think it was like 120 bucks. Yeah, it was expensive. Oh my god, I love it. Um, apparently the controllers are pretty hard to find now too, but, uh, the, well, uh, but, team made. but yeah, from software made the sequel, not a sequel, but like the reboot where, uh, like you were in the tank, but you did, you were supposed to do everything with connect. So like you were, you would sit in front of the connect and like, if you had to pull a lever, like you would reach in, grab the lever, twist your arm and then pull it back. And as you might imagine, that shit was totally broken. <laughs> did not work at all. <laughs> Oof. Um, I'll take the next one from Steven with no last name. He's at from soft junkie on Twitter. <laughs> Thanks Steven. Uh, I actually took a deep dive on modern warfare two and became very proficient. The reason I left though, was because as I got better at the game, I became increasingly more hostile while playing. This unfortunately bled over into my real life, which is obviously no bueno. I stood over the precipice of being a gross internet rage nerd and had to turn back. That's a good point. Like I've, I've I've been that guy before, like where you start getting romantic video games and realizing I should probably just put this game down for a little while. Has that happened to either one of you? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man. <laughs> you have no idea. Like the 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 uh, for a person who's played as many online shooters as I as I have, you don't have no idea the things that have been said and and been lobbed at other people in internet discourse. Man, <laughs> I've heard it all. I've. I've <laughs> Uh, just about everything else in the world. Uh, so yeah, I understand what he means. And, and I've actually had this issue too, where I've had to take breaks from some of these pretty intense competitive games. Um, and they can bring out some rage. You never even knew you had in you. So uh, there have been a few spiked controllers here and there. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. Cliff is our resident rage monster. He's the one that always gets mad and starts throwing controllers. So. I've never thrown a controller. I do get, I do get angry. Uh, occasionally but uh, yeah i haven't thrown a controller never that bad um inside that's the game i got angry at i had that game really i, so I hate that game. I, I, told, so I told you at the beginning of the podcast vader has bad opinions on things man don't don't worry about it <laughs> <laughs> it's like the artsiest like you know just like breezy platformer you like beat it in an afternoon like how did you get mad at inside oh it just i don't know it just frustrated me yeah yeah just I didn't get angry, angry. I just, it, got, it got me really agitated and just I did not enjoy the experience. Huh. Um, 
I'm the Jeremy. I'm the salt. I come with the salt that enhances the flavor of your own cliff gifts. <laughs> yeah, <you're, laughs> you were the salt of the podcast. Okay, I can handle that. <laughs> I will uh, say, all good in FromSoft, in FromSoft Junkies' defense, Modern Warfare Two is the most broken game that's ever existed. So <laughs> I would be furious at that game too. So there you go. Is that the one that you can finish the single player without shooting a bullet? I don't know about that, but the multiplayer was so unbelievably broken. Uh, and never patched. There was um, okay. This is going to be a long. I, I don't have to tell the whole thing, but let's just say this: there was a, a the term noob tube came from Modern Warfare Two, basically. Uh, and you could there was a way that you could manipulate loadouts and stuff like that to where, where you just had unlimited noob tubes, so you could just fire grenade launchers cross map and get nukes and all kinds of awesome, gross stuff. And uh, it became completely unplayable and never was patched. Wow, probably the most probably the most broken thing that's ever been in a first person shooter that you didn't pay real money for. Let's just say that. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know that. Uh, Vader, you're turn. up for our next question. I got the epistle, do I? Um, you get a long one. Yeah, Ninja sorry pl- about that. <laughs> oh, that's right. This is our favorite um, uh, listener. There's also math equations. Uh, Ninja plus badger equals seven. <laughs> um, such a great name. Uh, for me, <laughs> in recent times, it was The Division. Uh, last year and the year before, I had devoted a lot of time to Destiny, which despite its mixed opinions, just scratched an itch. In turn, the itch being a light uh, World of Warcraft replacement. After my time in Destiny, having highs in raids and lows with RNG goods, I felt I had t- I had my t- I had felt I had my time. This is when the division had caught my grinding loot eye. <laughs> like Destiny, I got stuck into the vision like they were giving free lap dances away. <laughs> and thoroughly enjoyed my first twenty hours learning the tactics and getting stuck into the community. But then something happened. It was like waking up one morning and being turned off by your partner, but without understanding why. By thinking on it on it further, it was clearly the lack of depth and s- severely broken mechanics. I consider myself an open gamer, but I could see that plodding away in the game just wasn't going to be fun anymore. But oddly enough, the hardest thing was leaving the community. I had made friends on a particular division podcast and was even offered to help with videos. I, But I just couldn't do it the game was just a complete turn off like eating too much cake i had to stop listening stop following the and under stop following and understand that i need to distance myself from the game and the community at first it felt like a hard separation and now i'm glad i did it <laughs> it's like the band-aid just got rip it off why because i get to play more souls well that's a good reason uh stick my face in the the bosom of Witcher 3 and try to complete Bloodborne again and I'm loving it the lesson never regret and don't worry there's always another game out there for you sound advice yeah um, see I just wish The Division wasn't a, a, a fake MMO and then it'd be a great game yeah I've been I hate uh, the grind I didn't mention it but I, I poke and prod at The Division every once in a while as, as an excuse to turn on my Xbox One and um it's just not. I don't think that game is for me. Like it's it's interesting, but that I, I just have no desire to do anything inside that game. So, well, the gameplay itself is great. I like how it plays. I like I like the world. The world looks amazing. Um, 
it's just I just don't like the grind. I'm like I um yeah, I'd rather just better go from level to mission to mission and play it without having to do the grind in between of leveling up. Mm-hmm. Take up the spreadsheet of the game and it'd be a good game. That oh. sounds like the like <laughs> that could be the thesis for just about every AAA game. <laughs> like to, when it comes to first person shooters, it seems like they've just turned into you know the JRPGs. Like I wonder if the, there's a phrase like if you could say like it's like the JFPS games of <laughs> this generation. <laughs> the FPS RPGs. I, I back in my day, I thought that I thought that would be like my dream game. You know, to like have a first person shooter that because I played. You know, I grew up on JRPGs and I, and I transitioned into a first person shooter. Well, but to have those two genres mixed together, and it turns out it's just a first person shooter with a bunch of uh, behind the scenes RNG nonsense going on, which is real upsetting. Yeah, yeah, I would be. I'd be interested if you could actually develop your 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 character in a first person shooter, uh, like with a build, like an RPG, like a Western RPG, where you could actually like, I'm gonna go for heavy weapons and this. Like you could specialize on like the game supported those kind of different play styles. But yeah, if you're just like, like looking for, for an, you know a new gun that the numbers are green instead of red, then I don't. I mean, what 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 does that even mean at that point? So. Uh, Kyle, you want to take the next relatively lengthy one? Sure. Uh, Shinobi of the Cosmos at Darth Shinobi. Obviously, one for me is Call of Duty. It was originally awesome until about Black Ops time when it went downhill, catering to the younger players and YouTubers with their 360 no-scope ponage. That whole thing just irritated the hell out of me, and part of gaming, which you could say influenced YouTube gaming, I guess, for better or worse. As an off-game Witcher 3, controversial, and I'd love to play it. However, the combat is meh. And the world is huge and daunting after your time away. And I just kept bouncing off it as much as I'd like to play it. You and me both, buddy. Now for the big one, Nintendo in general. I like my SNES back way back, but always preferred Sega. Never owned Zelda and Mario, and they were always just mediocre to me. Since then, I've had an N64, a GameCube, a Wii, a Wii U, and a 3DS. And honestly, for a guy that doesn't like Nintendo, we have a lot of Nintendo <laughs> systems. And honestly, I don't care much for any of them. The odd, moderately good game is all. The one redeemer was Zelda Link Between Worlds on 3DS, which is actually the only Nintendo game I've ever completed, with the exception of Diddy Kong Racing on N64 and Twin Snakes on the GameCube. Sorry for the life story, chaps. <laughs> I think I'm just going to guess that Darth Shinobi is uh, dropping that Twin Snakes in there just to rile Cliff up. <laughs> it just <didn't> <laughs> would me up. Because <laughs> that's become a running yeah. joke around here, and I know he hasn't actually finished Twin Snakes. There's just no way. The infamous backflip off of a missile. I can't get over it. Oh, no. It's so great. It's so good. Dude, Twin Snakes. I love the original Metal Gear, but Twin Snakes is the most hilarious game I've ever played. <laughs> that was my um, first my first real experience with uh, Metal Gear 2. Like, I didn't... Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, something else. Vader, do you want to take the uh, next one, Inside People, since I gave you the longest one? <laughs> yeah, I thought you were doing that on purpose. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can do that. Inside people plot polled. polled. Um, sometimes I'll give up on a game, but it's because something new came out or because I've gotten enough of what the game has. Sure. So it's kind of moving on. It's typical. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty standard. And then finally, um, our good friend Morbid Beard, a.k.a. Josh Crow, former guest, wrote in about... 18 zillion paragraphs, so I'm going to quickly run through this. <laughs> Thank you, Josh. We love you. Um, <clears throat> 
I never really had any form of engagement with the gaming community until I started listening to podcasts. That was a point for me when I suddenly realized that all of my unnecessary buying of games on a whim was in line with many other people. It was a moment of clarity, discovering that, in fact, kind of like when you meet your girlfriend's parents for the first time and you accidentally let out a fart in front of them, just a wee squeaker, (laughs) only to find out that they can see the funny side of it and in all actuality just encourage you to do it. Okay, if your girlfriend's parents are encouraging you to fart in front of them, marry her, like, immediately, because that's just a weird thing, and if you all seem to enjoy <laughs> farting in front of each other, there's not a lot of people like that out there. Just, just okay. I'll, I won't editorialize anymore. Sorry. <laughs> um, uh, those are both points where you can sit back and think, I can be myself where nobody will judge me for it. So, with this new inf- information manifesting itself via a newfound spring in my step, I bounded headfirst into the sweltering heat of the gaming culture, listening intently to podcasts and becoming more and more certain that these people are, people are all friends to me. I just have to approach them and say hello. Maybe let out a guff or two to place my cards on the table from the outset, but hoping that these guffs don't offer a spreadsheet of my eating habits and ultimately end in myself being shunned by good folk. I got lost in that metaphor, Josh. I'm not going to lie. <clears throat> Mission accomplished. As it turns out, through, through finding many great podcasts created by genuinely decent people with a passion for quality content, I have let my little love puffs fly freely and found myself a cozy little niche at a table full of open-minded people who all inhabit Twitter for roughly the same reason as me. What reason? The freedom, the freedom to speak to like-minded enthusiasts because we don't have too many in our real lives to have these sorts of conversations. I've always thought myself to be an outsider, nothing but a mere pudgy kid with an appetite for trading in games three or four times a week. But over time, I blossomed into a fully-fledged machine, making new friends every day with my ramblings, my rants, and my waffles to become a valid and respected member of a community that thrives on this medium and tries its hardest to see the good in things rather than just moan about everything. With every new podcast comes new friends, whether they be heavily into games or not. The fact is we can all connect over the gesture of kind-hearted engagement over common interest. It's helped me overcome depression. It's helped me find a positive use for social media. And most of all, it's helped me make many friends whose compassion and opinions are admirable and well thought out. I have a great deal of time for those on this very podcast, host and guest, and every single person I've met via podcast interaction and mutual acquaintance in the past year or so. Stay awesome, you lovely people. Just keep being you, and you've got my backing 100%. Wow. Thank you, Josh. That's that awesome. was a really nice thing to say. And I kind of, uh, I'm glad we, we ended on that one as a cap to a little bit of a, a relatively negative podcast about gaming communities in the same, even though I don't think we were very negative about it. So yeah, I'm glad that was a good one to end on. I think. Yeah, it was really good. Yeah. It's yeah. good to, yeah, to find a, a community and be happy with it. And I think that's why I never, I couldn't think of something that I, you know, left cause I never, I'm the same as Josh. I never really had community to, to be involved with up until more recently uh, with, with the twin humanities and, and then starting this podcast with Cliff. Um, yeah. So it's, it's really good. Just keep it going. It can be one of the best and one of the worst things that can happen to you as a gamer. I mean, you could being a part of a community, like it gives you a singular focus and it gives you lots of people to bounce ideas off of and lots of people to play with, frankly, but it can also, you know, as with me, as, as the game changes, if it changes to the worst, the community can turn on itself too. So it's a double-edged sword, but if you find the right one and there's nothing like it, it's great. And I think his uh, comment really speaks to that. Absolutely. I agree. Yep, and, it, and we want more people to bring their little love puffs yes. <laughs> to the table. <laughs> if that means what I think it means, then uh, maybe do that before you come inside to the dinner table. But otherwise, you're, everyone's welcome. <laughs> Um, I think that's going to do us. We, we've This has been a pretty long podcast already, so I think we should probably wrap it up. 
Um, Kyle, thank you so much for guesting on the episode. I very much appreciate it. Oh, thank you. It was a great time. Can you let everybody on the internet know where to find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Lurker Zero for the time. I might be changing it soon, so <laughs> who knows? <laughs> uh, maybe it'll be, end up being at Just Kyle. <laughs> okay. I like it. <laughs> Vader, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, Vader Van Oden. Um, uh, YouTube, Twitter, um, email. Uh, Vader Van Oden at darkinsight.net. Send me some emails. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I came across as a, a local Kiwi guy setting up a, a, they described it as a Facebook for gamers and it's very new. So I'm not sure it's going to go, but I set up a dark insight community page for it. It's a community based uh, gaming website. So you can create communities and interact with people. It's called emblem.co is the web address. Um, and if you search dark insight, you find us on there. It's very new. Only it launched like two days ago, I think. Cool. It's like, yeah, Kiwi, a, Kiwi, a young Kiwi guy said it. So, it may not be nothing. You may not be interested, but just yeah, you can find us there too. Okay, excellent. And you can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. You can find this podcast on Twitter at Dark Inside Pod. You can find all of our episodes and all of our extra blog content, including reviews and articles and things like that, at darkinsight.net. Any time that you have to leave a couple of iTunes reviews or spread the word of the podcast, we would very, very much appreciate it. It helps us out a whole lot, and it's very, very gratifying to see the podcast grow. And if you don't, we just appreciate you listening. That's perfectly fine, too. Thanks again to Kyle for guesting. Thanks again to Vader for being here, as always. Thanks again to Cliff for creating the podcast and then abandoning it so that I can run it. And we will see you next week. Remember, it's not inside unless it's dark inside. And I will one day remember to say that at the end of the podcast. Thank you, Richard. (laughs) (laughs) 